0: All right, we got a return guest this week, and you're going to like it. There exists a threat. From anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation here Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your host, coming at you from the Broken Time studio right here in Clark Fork, Idaho, where we are having uh, one hell of a wet spring, and uh, I think I'm, I'm digging it. Uh, this week, I've got a, a friend, I've been, somebody I've been with friends with for a long time. Uh, I've been trying to get him to vow to never pull me over and give me a speeding ticket if I'm ever in Nampa, uh, I almost said Nampa, Florida, Roger. <laughs> Nampa, Idaho. Um, before I get him on uh, and and get him to make that vow, uh, we are going to, uh, I, I just need to take care of a couple of quick announcements real quick. So the first one being is um, if you guys are on Facebook and you are not in the group, that uh, is called Hunting the West Dash the Western Huntsman. Um, I I only keep I only keep my Facebook because of of like some of these specific groups and and the thing that I like about this group is it's uh, people that listen to this show that help me with a lot of questions that I have regarding the show and give me a lot of feedback on it and it's a cool place to post you know if you uh, shoot a bear or uh, you know whatever you're out there chasing. And so it's 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 by design a smaller group a smaller knit group, um, but we are trying to grow it a little bit just so that we can get a little bit more feedback. Because uh, I am announcing that we're we're going to start be starting a new series. Uh, if you guys have been listening to the show for a while, you know we do the School of September series. It's a bonus series on the show, uh, and then we do our regular episodes. And we're going to add another series. That is going to be designed for brand new hunters or youth hunters, uh, where I'm actually going to keep it uh, the very uh, G-rated, uh, clean language, no cussing, all that kind of stuff, uh, which we don't do on our normal shows, uh, and most of you know that. And so uh, the idea is, if we have youth hunters out there that you guys, uh, as parents, um, want to have them listen to stuff, the idea is, is you know, the stuff that they don't learn in hunters' education. Or if you're if you're an adult that is just thinking about getting into hunting, and and you want more than just the you know here's here's your hunting safety you know kind of stuff, uh, here's how to carry a rifle. Um, you know, Hunter's Ed doesn't really get into the nuts and bolts of what you need to know, especially if you're one of those people that are getting into it without an um, in-person hunting mentor. Uh, this the this episode, or I'm sorry, that that series of episodes is going to be that for you. It's going to be your um, what do you, what should I call it, Roger? Like the the hunting med mentor in your dashboard or something like that. There
1: you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I would, so I would call it that.
0: Yeah, something like that. And so it, that's that's going to be kind of the idea behind it. And so the point of me telling you both of those things is, I just posted in Hunting the West Dash the Western Huntsman on Facebook. Uh, a question for some feedback, audience feedback about what types of episodes we should be having in there. Because I've got things like hunting ethics. I've got things like, uh, you know, understanding without boring people to death. Understanding the basics of like the North American model of conservation and and how that ties into being a hunter and how hunting ties into conservation so that young hunters can understand that in a in a layman's way without without getting into you know super uh, boring detailed long explanations of it Uh, a a basic understanding is really all you need Uh, and then we're going to go into like foundational deer hunting like mule deer uh, foundational whitetail hunting Uh, again less about tips and strategies and stuff and more about um, becoming an ethical hunter and a good steward of the sport that is hunting uh, and and how to get started without you know uh, spending a small fortune and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, that's my point. Hopefully you guys will jump on there and help answer some of these questions because each episode I'm going to be asking that group um, specific questions about that episode and what their kind of feedback is. There's going to be a woodsmanship episode. There's going to be all sorts of stuff in there. So stay tuned for that. And uh, I'm gonna be. I'm hoping to have one of the the first episode of that out in the next week or two, actually, because uh, uh, Roger and I are recording here on what is today, the 23rd. Yes, I think it's, sir. Yeah, the 23rd. So I'll have this live tomorrow. Um, you good with that, Roger?
1: Absolutely. Put
0: you on the spot, man. I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna let this thing yeah, loose right. tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's perfect, <laughs> guys. I wanna I wanna welcome back Roger Hull. Um, and he is like I said, a past guest. Roger, did I did you come on for your own episode, or were you on with uh the initial ascent guys?
1: Yeah, I was on with Dennis, so me and Dennis were on there talking about the packs. Yeah, I think it was July 2020. I believe Mm -hmm. a while ago.
0: Yeah, it was a while ago. And uh, but you are with the Nampa Police Department, and at what point are you going to fully commit to me? that I can freely drive through Nampa without getting a ticket? Oh,
1: man, <laughs> that's tough, because I don't ride a whole lot of tickets. I do a lot of traffic, but I don't ride a whole lot of tickets.
0: Okay. Well, no. I need, I might need some tips, dude, because I, I, I have to give a shout-out to the Sandpoint Idaho Police Department, for they pulled me over and gave me a speeding ticket a few weeks ago on the Long Bridge. And mm. those of you familiar with North Idaho... You know how bad it sucks getting pulled over on the long bridge because it's super narrow, and it's going across Ponderay Lake. There's like nowhere to pull over, and I'm trying to get this guy to kind of follow me a little further so I can get off further for him. And uh, finally, I was like, okay, this is about as wide as it's going to get pulls me over and then he's
1: pissed that I
0: didn't pull over sooner <laughs> yeah
1: like that. oh, that's that's it's a catch-22 on that one
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I just I've seen too many yeah. videos of uh dudes getting hit on the highway getting pulled over you know the, the, yeah. the actual... was it a
1: motorcycle cop
0: no no he had oh, like yeah. an SUV yeah. yeah they
1: oh there you go okay.
0: yeah yeah I knew he was I, I knew I was busted too because I, I I was trying to pass his truck and I, I I was gonna try to talk my way out of the ticket but it turns out Roger I was guilty as hell. I was hauling <sighs> ass across the,
1: <laughs> this trying to pass yeah. this
0: truck. So, um,
1: anyway, fun you story. You know the, talk, the whole talking the way out of the ticket thing. It it very rarely works. Uh, personally, I, I I look for what I like to call extreme ownership. Right? You ever heard of Jocko Willing? Oh
0: yeah, man. I read. The and whole his book. extreme
1: ownership stuff. Yeah. So that's that's kind of that's kind of what I look for. You know, and if people are like, "Man, you're right, you got me. I was speeding. Yep, no excuses." You know, it just
2: yeah
1: sits a little bit better with me. I think when uh, because you know, we're really all the traffic control is is just trying to mold people's behavior to really obey the law, right? And and, mm-hmm. and everything. And so you know, if that's what I'm trying to do, if I think that not giving somebody a ticket is going to mold their behavior into the way that I you know, the way that the law wants people to drive, then you know you don't get a ticket. But you know, if you look at their driving record and they get six speeding tickets in the last three months, and it's like, all right. Then you hit them with a financial reminder of what the the laws are, which is the ticket, I guess. But. Yeah,
0: yeah, my ticket was like ninety bucks or something. But I I got a huh. question about that when sure when a guy gets pulled over because that mm-hmm. that's what I did. Uh, which by the way, I'm a huge fan. I'll. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna go down a little rabbit trail. I had <laughs> Jocko Willink's like assistant lady or or something commit Jocko to come on my show. No kidding. And then like I, I it booked out for like two weeks from this time, and this was when the show was like brand new. I don't even know how I did that. Um like two weeks before or it was like two weeks out, and like a week before we were scheduled to record, I get a message from her Saying that something has come up, unfortunately he can't join you on the show. And I tried to reach back out and and try to get him to come on the show again. And they wouldn't they wouldn't come back and answer me because I think what happened is uh, my show was new. There you know not not mm-hmm. very many downloads, and so yeah. kind of felt like a waste of time. And um, but I love that book, especially the the, uh,
1: the audio version because oh, they yeah. put
0: like those sound effects in there.
1: It, yeah. It really yeah. brings it to life.
0: So and then the well, follow
1: book. Yeah. Oh absolutely. Laith. Leif. Leif, and Jocko are the ones that are reading the mm-hmm. audio version. And exactly. I'm a terrible I'm a terrible reader, so I listen to the books and you know I'm tinkering in the garage at night, listening to those and it's yeah. it's uh, powerful stuff. That is really it really is and, and
0: it's it's I thought that the idea of taking like military le- leadership and trying to Incorporate it into uh, corporate America. I thought it was kind of a hokey idea at first, uh, but when I when I listened to the book, it they have a way of tying it into like this common sense applicable way that you know you don't have to be like some military person to understand it, right? You don't have to be a Navy yeah. Seal
1: no, absolutely. to know how it's- that
0: translates.
1: It, and it's not groundbreaking stuff, right? They, this, the principles have been around forever, but it's the way I think it's their delivery and the way they mm-hmm. present that information to everybody. I mean, it's it's great stuff. Their, their company, Echelon Front, um, is doing uh, department-wide training with us. So for a year, we're going through the book, doing the workbook, and having oh, no these kidding. discussions with the Echelon Front guys. Yeah, it's, I, I really applaud my department for that because it's, it's huge stuff. It's, it's, it's really, it's changed my life.
0: It's, uh, so. It is, it is and that's, you nailed it, man. The the way that you can, because they have a way of telling the story as to how they formed this philosophy, if you will, in combat Iraq or, or wherever the heck they were at, you know, they were all mm-hmm. over the place, and how that applies to your life as just an American adult, you know, and, and how to take that ownership and... You know, ownership of your life, because I mm-hmm. think that that's lacking in in America. With a lot of, uh, it, it's not even a generational thing. I don't I don't think it's like a Generation X or a or a Millennial thing or or a Gen Z thing. I think that it's just like this mentality of we've gotten to this level of comfort in the United States, brought on by this system that that has worked so well uh, that some people can argue till they're blue in the teeth whether or not it's worked, but just take a look at your situation. You know, if you can't get the new iPhone – your life sucks in your mind and that's as bad as you have it. Give me a freaking break. Go to Africa. Yep. Go, go to some of these other countries that I've been to and tell me how bad you have it. Anyway, beside the point. Yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> man, I'm riled up tonight apparently.
1: Oh, Jeez. man, we could get we could go down that rabbit hole for a minute. We too. totally
0: can, but I I mean <laughs> that's just it's like people don't take accountability for their actions and they wonder why their life Absolutely. is a freaking shit show. It's yeah, nuts. It, so. it's,
1: like I said, I do a lot of traffic stuff, so I deal with a lot of DUIs. Uh-huh. And, man, they are—they seem to be the worst. Drunks are the worst at blaming other people, right? Like, it's my fault that they're being arrested for a DUI. Like, I shoved the beer down their throat, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is just – it's hard to swallow the lack of accountability and the lack of ownership on, like, blaming everybody else for your problems except for you. You know, when you're the one that's making yeah. the decisions.
0: Yeah. It's such a great point, man. And and I I learned that the hard way. Do you, I, I don't know if I've ever said this on the show, but I got an aiding and abetting to a DUI when I was in the Marines in North Carolina. Oh no. And huh.
2: and
0: I, I you know what's funny is is I I took full ownership of this, and the judge talked me out of um like just fessing up to it because she's she's like, well, even aiding and abetting, you're going to lose your license. And the scenario. Um, it, not that I'm proud of it, but it, it was kind of a funny situation when I we we made one of our new Marines drive us to the bar, but it was my truck, uh-huh. and it was dollar beer beer night. It was like a Wednesday night dollar beer night at this bar called Tar Hills just outside of Jacksonville, North Carolina. If there's other Marines that were stationed out there, they're gonna know exactly where I'm talking about, <laughs> and I mean. And that's what it was, Dollar Beer and I. Well, lo and behold, this new Marine that we recruited to be our designated driver got toasted without us knowing. Because we we didn't (laughs) let him hang out with us. He was a boot. Yeah, right. And and then he's like, yeah, he's acting all normally. And probably we were just too drunk to even notice. Walks back out to my truck. I drank so much beer that I'm throwing up out my passenger window. The cop (laughs) notices that, pulls us over. (laughs) <laughs> and the, and I was expecting everything to be fine because this dude was supposed to be our DD, and the right. cop asks asks him how much have you had to drink? And and this marine looked at the cop and he said, "Well, sir, it was dollar beer night at Tar Hills, so I can tell you I lost track, and I'm yeah. drunk, and I'm oh, like, man. what
2: the fuck, man?".
0: <laughs> and so yeah, I wasn't expecting that one. <laughs> we went to jail.
1: We went we went to the yeah. slammer. Um. Well, man, you're you're not the only one. Like I. I've had to look myself in the the face in the mirror, you know, mm-hmm. and really te- have to analyze the way my life was going, and you know, and it's pretty recent too when this extreme ownership stuff came up for me. Yeah. And so, man, I I can't can't recommend that book enough to anybody, you know, parents, you know, people in law enforcement, any anybody like that book anybody. can hit home for anybody. Anybody,
0: yeah. Uh, if you if you run a small business and you have You know, uh, a team of people, five or six people, buy the books for everybody and like go through it with as a company. Um, Yeah. You know, just anything. It's so applicable. Even, even, uh, you know, a stay-at-home mom would benefit from the the principles in the book. So, um, man, I feel like we need to get Jocko on.
1: Like, dude, it's it's powerful, especially coming from him. You know, It's, it's yeah. It's a powerful stuff. Yeah.
0: Everybody listening to this send Jocko a message on like Instagram and see if he he reaches out.
1: <laughs>
0: we'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, the question I had going back to when you pull somebody over and they oh, take yeah. your license, see I, I go down rabbit trails but I keep track, man.
1: I'm um, glad you keep track cuz I didn't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you take their license back to the car and you pull it up, does it like give you the record of how many Speeding tickets and all that.
1: Yeah, um, for the state, at least in like Idaho. If I ran your driver's license, it would come up with pretty much every time you've been cited, um, you know, DUIs, mm-hmm. uh, citations, anything like that. If if you've taken like a, I think it's like a driver's safety, like a traffic course for usually for kids so that have like a, it's called a Live at Twenty Five course. That'll get wiped off your record, but pretty much everything else is in there.
0: Okay. So mine didn't look too shabby. I only get pulled over. I don't know. I I drive a lot, man, but I I, I get pulled over probably every other year and about every other time I get a ticket. So I'm not, I've got a pretty good record.
1: (laughs) Hey man, I get pulled over too. It's, it's just, it's kind of one of those sayings. It's hard to drive and not do something you get pulled over for.
0: So what's that conversation like? Um, you say like, no, wait, man, you what are you pulling me over for, bro? I'm a cop. Oh dude. no, I, I
1: never, I never question it. It's, it's not a good idea to start questioning it. Yeah. Usually I, people either. get a get a piece of paper with a court date if they want to argue it.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. So, uh, it it begs the question, Roger. Like, what is the most ridiculous thing somebody has said to you to try to get out of a speeding ticket? or or dy or something like what is there something oh, that sticks man. in your mind where it's like I can't believe that story cuz you see the jokes on social media yeah right?
1: man I, I i've really I, throughout the years i've said that i need to keep like a a record of some of these funny moments to like write a book later on everybody says that but
2: mm-hmm.
1: and yeah, it's kind of one of those that i can't think of anything right now that comes to mind but as soon as we got off the phone, right, it'll like pop in my it'll head, in and my head. I remember
0: it. Well, post it in the in the hunting the west, the western yeah, hunting
2: group. <laughs> exactly.
0: What right, Well, we uh, we've been talking a lot. Uh, we we decided that um, obviously you've had just recently a, one hell of a bear season, and so that's kind of what I wanted to bring you bring it on for, and and here's the reason why because this whole spring bear thing it fluctuates so much uh regionally like you mentioned before we started recording that yeah there's probably guys still out there hunting well uh i haven't even started bear hunting because i can't get to my spot uh because of the snow and so um that that i believe is going to change by this weekend i think i'll be able to get up to to my area uh, I checked it. I checked it like mid last week, and it's still just enough where I'm not. I'm not driving my truck through that. So I have until the end of June uh, to okay. to fill my bear tag. I know there's other units in uh, in Idaho. I'm not sure. I saw today that Montana is closing down one unit because the harvest quota was met. Quota, yeah. Yeah. Um. And I can't remember. My buddy uh, Cody, or I'm sorry, he he explained the Wyoming where where that season when that ended now I'm, I'm totally drawing a blank um gosh I'll I'll text him anyway mm-hmm. um so there's still a lot of bear hunters out there so I want to yep. talk a little bit about your philosophy cuz you're a great bear hunter man uh I really Whoa, I would not go that far <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would I would we've been we've been uh, we've been buddies for long enough I can say you're a great bear hunter um you you're super passionate about it obviously I could I could see it in the way you kind of tell the story um and and how important it is to you uh whether you, you know you're cuz you took your dad out and he got one too didn't he
1: Yep yeah I got him one
0: Is it now does he live in Idaho?
1: No he's a California resident still so.
0: so he comes over and, and and you took him out um and and so he got one you got one uh and we should probably throw a shout out that you packed those bears out on a good old fashioned initial ascent pack, right? Yes, sir. Give Dennis some love.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Sitting right next to me right
0: now, actually. Well, so I, I guess that wouldn't apply for you because you're not baiting, are you? You, you did like a no, spot and stop. No. Yeah. So I, the the one question I would have for like for Dennis is, um, if he sees me posting pictures of hunting bear, I'm baiting. And I do not want my pack to smell like the Batum 907 products that I get uh, because yeah. it is raunchy, man. So I've got this old Alberta stock that I'm I'm going to be packing bait in. Um, and so I, I, if if Dennis sees that, I don't want him to take offense because I love my initial ascent <laughs> and I'm trying to protect
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you ever heard of? Well, I'm sure you know the Velvet Outland technology guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, their Velvet Scrub stuff will get that smell right out. Oh, really? I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, that's good stuff. It's, it's pretty powerful. It smells really good, too, but that stuff, I don't know if I've ran into anything that that thing won't get out.
0: That's good to know, man, because I'm going to look into that, because I, I don't know yeah. if, if somebody listening to this has, has never handled the Batum 907 products. I mean, this stuff is ripe, and, and I mean, when I say ripe, I don't mean it smells bad. I mean it is just potent. It actually yeah. is kind of a pleasant smell, except it's so powerful. So I have Gamble. it in this plastic bin in one of my little tent shelters here on the property, and uh, it got some moisture in it, so I opened the bin up and set it out in the sun. Within an hour, anywhere you went on this 26 acres, you could smell this shit. I mean, it, it, oh. it is so strong. <laughs> and so... um could be baiting bears from your backyard. I could. There was a little guy hanging around... Um, Last fall, I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna get them too, because I didn't get a bear. I, I've never shot a bear, man. Oh um, man. I've just, I just started bear hunting, so uh, it's only been a couple of years. This is my third season and only my second season okay. of actually taking it serious. So this is why it's good to have you on because I'm a rookie, dude. Um, walk us. Let's yeah. start with having you kind of walk us through your story. Um, and I don't know if you, if you'd prefer to kind of Maybe talk about your your dad's bear first or or yours, but uh, yours is an incredible story. And if anybody's following you on um, on Instagram, you could have read the whole thing or Facebook.
1: But on Instagram,
0: you're backcountry underscore Baba Yaga or something like that.
1: Yeah, backcountry underscore b a b a underscore y a g a. That's right. Okay, what? Tell me about that name first. What does so, that come from? Yeah. <laughs> you ever seen the movie John Wick? Or heard of the movie John yeah,
2: Wick? Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So they call them Baba Yega, Which oh. I think in, in the like the Russian, the Slavic culture it means boogeyman. That's and right. You know it, what? Now that you say that uh, I know that makes sense. Yeah. So this is something I thought was kinda neat, so I threw it on there and changed in years. But, yeah, no, yeah. that's
0: that's actually a pretty badass name, man. I like that name.
1: That's cool. I appreciate it. Thank you. So but yeah, we can start with mine. That's
0: yeah. Let's that's let, fine, let's walk probably. through your story, man. I think a, I, I think listeners will get a lot out of that because of your process. You do you just to clarify, it's a spot and stock hunt in Idaho. Um, and this is big country. From the pictures you posted, this is big country we're talking about. Where it's not like the jungle of North Idaho. Uh, it, it is. It's it's open, sporadic high country, uh, I, I, I don't know, you describe it better yeah. um, without giving the unit away, obviously.
1: <laughs> I don't care. I, I, the whole, I'm, I'm not going to tell people exactly where it's at, but, you know, it's it's public land, and there's a lot of that country to go around, I think, personally, but there's, mm-hmm. I think, starting off, because I hunt in such a wide-open country, I mean, your shots, you can shoot for a long ways out in this area, the areas that I hunt, so I, I usually start off, I mean, I'm, I'm big into the kind of long-range precision stuff, uh, tinkering with my rifles, getting them shooting good, hand-loading. So that that's kind of the basis of all my stuff. When I said I'm, I'm not a very good bear hunter, I, I would consider myself a above-average shooter and a still pretty novice bear hunter. But just because of my shooting ability, I've been able to harvest some some pretty decent bears up here in a short amount of time. But it's starting with, you know, that getting a, getting a rifle and not necessarily just getting the rifle, but being proficient enough with the rifle to make, you know, five, 600 yard shots. Can it's, I,
0: can I ask sure. what rifle it is?
1: Yeah, I built a, uh, kind of went on a, down a rabbit hole myself and last spring, um, built a 300 Winchester short mag. And mm. um, I had a I had a Browning in that cartridge and loved it, but was being a handloader. I shoot a lot, so I was getting to the point where I was going to burn out that barrel. So I was like, well, I might as well build another one. So I went through process of from a stripped Remington 700 action, buying the tools myself, the hand tools from PTG and uh, Pacific Tool and Gauge, and basically truing up that action myself. I'm buying a pre-fit barrel, head spacing it all myself, uh, buying a stock from uh, Greybo, it's Greybo Phoenix stock,
2: mm-hmm.
1: bedding the action and everything in the stock, the rifle, yeah, just optics and everything. Did, did it all myself and hand loads and whatnot. So it's a, basically it's a 24-inch 300 Winchester short mag. And uh, it weighs about 10 and a half pounds the way I have it set up. That's with a bipod, Mm -hmm. sling, everything else, which I think is a good weight. You know, it's not stupid ultralight. The problem with an ultralight rifle is that they're inherently harder to shoot. Uh, A lighter rifle, you're going to have more of a wobble zone. So your crosshairs, it's going to be harder to keep them steady. Um, Their recoil is going to be much more intense. Um so I, I I like that ten pound range for a, a yeah. magnum rifle, especially a thirty cal Magnum. I was
0: I was kind of looking into that at uh, at some point and somebody somebody was talking about gosh where was that? Talking about, oh, you know, you want to have a lightweight rifle to get further kind of thing and I remember thinking, um a a smooth bore forty two Springfield Civil War musket. Weighs uh, nine pounds without the bayonet and without the uh, sling. And those guys would hump that bad boy 20, 30 miles a day barefoot. I think I can handle a 10-pound rifle going into the backcountry. Yeah.
1: Well, and you know, my philosophy on that is – when I get there and I'm going to get there, you know, it, a two pounds on a rifle is not going to make or break me get into a spot. Yeah. Right. If in the grand scheme of things, right. Two pounds is, it's nothing. That's three quarters of a liter of water or something, you know, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's not keeping me from getting there, but it could keep me from making that shot. Right. Guys that have these
2: ultra lightweight
1: weather, weather bees are, you know, these 300 weatherby rifles that are just punishing people. They don't want to shoot them because they're, uncomfortable to shoot and so they're not practicing enough with them well i would rather have a rifle that i could practice with i've got eight nine hundred rounds to this rifle in a little over a year out of a magnum dang man people people don't shoot that kind of stuff with a you know anything most most people don't shoot that much in a lifetime with their hunting rifle yeah it's no but it's kind of afforded me the ability to be intimately Familiar with that rifle and what it's capable of. And so, you know, just being able to trust that rifle that much, it's, uh, that's what I prefer. And it really, guys will spend. I had a guy ask me not too long ago, he was like, hey, I've been looking at that new Weatherby Backcountry TI 2.0, whatever. It's like, you know, I don't know, sub six pounds or something. It's stupid light. I can't remember off the top of my head. Well, his rifle. Was only like three quarters of a pound heavier, and I'm like, dude, you're gonna spend three thousand dollars to save three quarters of a pound? I'm yeah, like, why nice. don't you? I'm like, why don't you buy, you know, a lightweight down jacket? Why don't you buy a quilt? Uh, you know, you could yeah. spend that money more wisely elsewhere and shave way less or way more weight, and then still have a rifle that's, you know, shootable. So you know, that, I, I changed up my sleep system and I sh- shaved it in half, you know, which I guess affords me the ability to carry a 10-pound rifle. So that's a that's a
0: good, interesting um, philosophy, I guess, uh, is is one way to put it, uh, and it, it leads me to one question that I'll I'll kind of hold for a minute. Um, but but instead of skimping on the weight of the rifle in order to get a a, a rifle that you feel. Is is going to be, uh, you know, just a better shooter for you, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. You're going to your your message is don't skimp on the weight of the rifle, skimp on the other things. Where it's not even skimping really, it's it's just buying the right kind of gear that is lighter weight. Like, uh, you know, uh, li- I I guess I'll, th- I'll throw them a shout out. I sponsored by Scree and all their stuff mm-hmm. is super lightweight. But it's it's super effective, right? So I could pack all that stuff in there and stay a lot warmer than the the chintzy stuff I had uh, years ago, um, and stay just you know stay a lot warmer. So uh, I guess what's bothering me with this topic is uh, I I posted a question regarding a youth rifle. So I have I have two daughters, right? And and I maybe you can answer this because. Uh, sure. I'm getting answers all over the place I, one of my daughters is a left-handed shooter uh, she is not re- she's not left-handed she's just a left-handed shooter she's left eye dominant and she feels a lot more comfortable shooting with um, on her, on her left shoulder totally fine uh, except it costs Daddy a lot more money because I can mm-hmm. buy a right-handed rifle and a left-handed rifle. The problem is right now, and I don't know what the deal is. I, I, this didn't seem to be a problem a few years ago. But finding a left-handed rifle right now is a bitch. I mean, it, it, yep. I can't find them. I can't find it in the 6.5. I can't find it in the 7mm08, which is what I bought my other daughter, uh, which is a perfect round for them. Um, yep. I can't I can't find it in a 243. Uh, none of those smaller rounds I can find. So what what I did I I and I got talked into this. So I want you to tell me if if I made a mistake and, and I need to fix it or if this will work. But I bought her a 308, which is a great cartridge in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is obviously left-handed. And I'm gonna have I'm gonna run it down to a buddy of mine who's a gunsmith and have him put like a muzzle brake on it and use some um you know smaller rounds. perfect do you think that'll work because it's not a super heavy rifle it it is it is a lighter weight rifle but is it gonna i mean she's just teeny she's she's
1: so it's gonna thump right it's gonna thump i got a short barrel i got a ruger um it's an m77 Gunsight scout and 308 16 inch barrel things gonna thump right it's gonna be a little bit louder because you got a little bit shorter barrel and the muzzle brake but it's a 308 it's gonna thump a little bit more than a seven millimeter 08 but if you put you know 150s you know the, the lighter weight class of bullets are even down i mean they make 110s do they you really put lighter oh yeah yeah 308s The that caliber 308 caliber has got a ton of bullet selection and you know you can if you're a handloader, know somebody that is you can download those loads to where they're going you know, lower and, velocity. So you're pushing a, a lighter weight bullet, and that's what's that's what's creating your recoil, right? Is the mass of the bullet, and then how much powder you're burning. Mm-hmm. So if you got a lightweight bullet and you're down, you know, downloading these charges to minimum charge weights, you're you're gonna have that 308 that's gonna recoil like a 6.5 Creedmoor kind of a thing.
0: Okay, so if uh, you as Roger. Um, mm-hmm how if if i could find something between 110 130 uh how far out would roger shoot with that i mean it's it's she's she's 11 so we're not talking about 3 4 or 500 yard shots here
2: yeah
1: yeah it's you're still going to be capable right how many people have been killing deer with 243s right That's generally probably true. those 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 people that are shooting 243s because of the twist rate of, a, of a, you know the standard 243 you're going to be shooting 90 95 grain 100 grain bullets it, you know so you're going to be you're still going to be fine you know you're going to have enough energy you're going to have enough velocity to you know depending on I guess what your starting velocity is but you're going to have enough for you know 200 yard shots easy on something like that cool. you know it really comes down to the what what she's comfortable with
0: well, I didn't, I didn't mean to derail the story. I just, it's, oh, it's, no. it's like,
1: I I really enjoy talking this stuff. So man. no, that's, that's <laughs> no cool, man.
0: I'm, I'm glad you do. Cause uh, I, I don't know a ton about that. You know, I, I just not, I'm not like a gun enthusiast. I use them strictly as a tool to hunt, you know, yep. and, and I, I love shooting. Well, I mean, that's not true. I love going out and tinkering with a couple of my different rifles. Um, and, and, and I'm, I love buying rifles. <laughs> Don't tell my wife. <laughs> I, love, I love buying rifles. And I, I, I do enjoy shooting. Uh, I, I think I think one of the things that happened to me is, and I think this happens to a lot of like military infantry guys. We get out, and we spent so much time shooting, and it was like a job that yep. we got kind of sick of it. Um, yeah, and
1: I've so, heard
0: that. Yeah, and, and that's kind of where I was. And so um, I, I'm not... And I've explained this on the podcast too. It's the same thing with archery. I'm not like a like you have a lot of people that are way into going to these 3D archery shoots and and that's that's like their hobby. They they're they're archery enthusiasts or they're gun enthusiasts. Uh, and and to me that's a that's a separate entity outside of hunting. Where hunting, I shoot enough that I know that I'm proficient. But 900 rounds in a year, like you do, uh, I I don't know that I could prioritize the time for that.
1: Um, well, for and me it's I guess. Time is, is a big thing, but it's – especially right now with the ammo shortage, nobody wants yeah. to shoot that much because they can't get the ammo anywhere.
2: Yeah,
0: and that, and that was another advantage with the three oh eight is the, the ammo is pretty yeah. readily available.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. So I just – real quick while we were talking about this, I, I looked up – so Barnes has down to 110-grain copper bullets or TSX bullets and tip TSX bullets at 100 grains. You oh, could push okay. those things with, you know, reasonable charge at 3,000 feet a second out of a 308. No kidding. Yeah, up to 2,500 if you wanted to put some and power behind it. But
0: And 110 with the muzzle brake, I'm going to venture to guess that that's not going to be a heck of a lot more no. dramatic yeah. than that 7mm 8
1: No, it would probably be less than a full-charge 7mm 8 you're yeah. you're probably going to be down into the especially if you you know a starting charge weight on those things you're still three thousand feet a second on a low minimum charge weight on that and that's okay. going to be you're going to be down in that two forty three range you know kind of a thing with those so that, okay. that that's where I would probably start was is some type of a monomel bullet like a Barnes.
0: Um, yeah know. i'm gonna when we're done recording man i'm gonna at some point i'm gonna message you because i mm-hmm. i need to i still need to put optics on this rifle and all that stuff so it's, it's going to be a while before I sh- we i take her out and shoot it uh yeah. but i i want to get her probably you know no later than next month i i want her to put you know a good hundred rounds through this thing before hunting season starts so yeah um well, yeah and
1: what uh sorry what rifle did you get her
0: it's the. It? Hold on, I've I've just acquired a couple of different rifles here. I, I have a Tika TX37 millimeter that uh I actually wanted a banquet. Oh um, nice. Is that, it a
1: Rem, Remington Magnum? Yes. The okay. 308. The
2: 308?
1: No,
0: no, no. The, or, uh, the or, Tika. The, the seven. Yes, it's a it's a yeah. Remington Mag- Magnum. Okay. Um, <laughs> i'm embarrassed man i don't even know what the hell the 308 is i i, I just That's right. I, it was the one and only left-handed rifle uh my yeah. buddy uh mark who owns um the this shop in court Lane uh that oh, hold on one sec buddy hold yep. hold on one sec
1: there's uh sorry guys where he just came out with their their new cx bullets the kind of a modified gmx the new new version of the gmx bullet quantity right now on midway. Those hundred and ten grain CS or CX bullets. Oh that'll be sweet that'd be a good choice. Yeah.
0: Guys, real quick, I, that we got interrupted there for a little second there. Sorry about that. Had an audio issue, but um we're we're back and yeah, so anyway it, my, my buddy Mark owns that Triple B guns in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho uh, it's, it's where I try to buy most of my guns if, he, if he's got them because he's a cool dude. He's a fellow Marine. Um, and he hooked me up with this left-handed rifle. It's a great gun. Uh, and and so I feel like you're making me feel a lot better because I, I had some, I think I posted the question in that group I was talking about earlier, and I had some good feedback, and a lot of people are saying, you know, the 6.5 Creedmoor or the 7mm 08, and I agree with that, except I can't find one in the left-handed uh, yeah. rifle setup right now. And so I, I'm kind of at, I was, I was kind of, I felt like I was kind of backed into a corner. Uh, and then I went into triple B guns and Mark's like, yeah, man, I got this 308. And if you put a muzzle brake anyway, you made me feel a lot better about it. So I, I'm I, happy. I, yeah. It'll be a good rifle for her. I'm excited.
1: Oh yeah. 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 As long as she gets out and has fun <laughs> shooting it, man, that's all that
0: matters. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, uh, and they do, man. Um, I can't like even express because your youngster's still super young, but I can't even express (laughs) how much fulfillment comes out of taking your kids hunting. I I just there's no words for it. Um. So anyway, and and what's funny is like if I would have bought a rifle for myself, my wife would have been sideways with me, but because I bought a (laughs)
1: rifle for her, right? Yeah. You see my angle. Right? Yep, yep, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> All and right, just crunching some numbers, too, man. Sorry, about I'm thinking about it. Go for just it. Just crunch some numbers with that, you know, 3,000 feet a second with that bullet and everything. You're still above the 1,000 foot pounds of energy, what everybody says is the benchmark for, you know, deer, I guess, and over 2,000 mm-hmm. feet a second, still at 400 yards with that setup. So, you, yeah, you're solid, uh, you know. Dang, it's, man. Yeah. You you're, were, you're good. You that, were that would be a good load.
0: You, you oh, were yeah. serious. You geek out with this stuff. Yeah. So where does that come from, Roger? Is that like, is that part of uh, your, have you always been passionate about like the the shooting aspect of it and the ballistics and, and all the things that you like to geek out with? Or is that something that kind of developed from being, um you know, in law enforcement or like, talk to me about that.
2: Well,
1: not really, man. I Growing up in California, I was a bow hunter. That's all I did. I didn't even own a a rifle over a twenty two two fifty for years. I mean until I got into law enforcement and I got an AR, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then um buddy in mine, Chris Allis, he was a sheriff's deputy, just had to medically retire doing an injury. But a sheriff's deputy down there and he was geeking out on all this stuff and kinda got me into it. But it's uh it hasn't been terribly long since I've been doing all this stuff probably 5 years, 6 years, but it's mm-hmm. something that I've if I'm going to do it, I'm going to really devote a lot of time and energy in knowing as much as I can. See I don't man, like to,
0: like, yeah. like dudes like me who are not super technical about anything. I'm not super technical about anything with with this kind of stuff. Like it's same with bows, man. People ask me they're yeah. like well, they're like, "Well, uh, you know, what's your uh you know what's this and what's that about your, center yeah what's that? i'm like i don't know dude I, I i just know how to point the bow i don't even yeah. know what kind of freaking arrows i have um actually that's not true i i do but um you know just stuff like that it, it's it, dudes like me need dudes like you as friends because i can yes. i can call you up and i can be like hey roger <laughs> Like dude, how, it, how it, did how do I shoot this rifle? Like what what do you set up? How do I set it up? Yeah, <laughs> it,
1: it, dude, it gets it gets expensive though. Just geeking out this much because like you said, all the tooling and all the <laughs> yeah. stuff I have. Yeah. But I do the same with archery too, and it's coming up on archery season, so it's time for me to start mm-hmm. geeking out on that. But yeah, I just yeah. that's that's the
0: thing, and and so my 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 the the key to my strategy that that makes it work for me is building a network of experts like you. And, like, I, I just dropped my bow off this morning uh, to my buddy Eric Warren over at um, his archery shop, which uh, the, he's – so he makes custom strings, right? And yeah. And so he's going to put these kick-ass strings. He just put the strings on my uh, my buddy's bow, and, and they look pretty cool. So he's, he's going to put some on my new – which I, I don't need strings on my bow, dude. And I don't know what the advantage is other than he says you don't have to wax them. And so. Well.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, whatever. Anyway. That's, that's how we. That's there how you we go. Roll. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we, got, Sorry, we got We, keep getting, we got yeah, sidelined, man. Keep or side-tracked. sidetracked there. Um, walk us through back to because this bear story it, i mean it just it kind of hit me and, and like I told you before I started recording i didn't i didn't want to read all the details in like you did this storyline where every day you were posting a chunk of the bear hunt story and it kept everybody like uh, you should be like a Hollywood scriptwriter or something because it, it kept everybody on like the edge of their seat. And after the third time you posted, I'm like, okay, Rogers, I'm gonna get him on the show to talk about this. So I don't want to like know all the details so we can get the full story. And so I don't remember where we left off. Yeah, it, maybe it was just the weight of your rifle. Oh uh, uh, yeah, we were just
1: I think talking about where it where it started or how my process starts or something. So we sort of went into the a hole that is rifle build, but mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> fifteen years later, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm really I'm pretty new in the grand scheme of things to to bear hunting in California. I end up killing a bear with my bow, but it was uh, you know, we had a bear tag in case we ran into a bear during deer season, kind of a thing, uh, which I always recommend people do if you're not a bear hunter, at least have a tag in your pocket.
2: Yeah,
1: but the yeah. Uh, when I moved up here in fall of 2018 i uh kind of made sure that we got here soon enough i guess the six month period to become a resident so i can get my resident tag and everything for spring bear season because that was uh something i've always wanted to do but we didn't have that opportunity in california so the first year i moved up here you know got into it got a nice bear my first day out which nobody's more surprised than i was that I got it done, but kind of the thing with the shooting played a huge role into that. Um, second year, didn't get one. Last year, got a really nice bear. Again, same thing. Shooting 100% played more of a role into that than anything. And then same mm-hmm. thing with this year. So it's uh, I focus more on the weapon side of things, whether it's archery or whether it's rifle stuff. Um, I know, and there's a lot of people that are big into fitness, and I, I, I know that is a weakness of mine. I need to, and I'm not in bad shape. I'm just not in the shape that yeah, I could I've, be in.
0: I've seen pictures of you, dude. You're not in bad shape at all. Um, no, I mean, I'm I sporting think... the
1: dad bod, but it's. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but you it's, wear the uh, dad
0: bod well, man. I mean, well, come
1: on. And so it's, I've never had, I guess, a lack of fitness. Yeah. Uh, not allow me to seal the deal on something right it's never been a, in a huge issue for me I'm, I'm sure it would be more enjoyable the hunts or it wouldn't suck as bad carrying that heavy pack if i prepared myself a little bit better for it sure which 100 100 agree i should um but i've seen people miss out on opportunities at animals because of their lack of i guess comfort with their firearm Yeah, and I I applaud those people that
0: I I, I've been there, man. And I know you're saying you applaud those people. I do too. Uh, I I have been in scenarios where I didn't have the confidence to take the shot because I I don't do what you do. You know, you know what I mean. And you know, when it comes to fitness, man. I I mean, this is always like a side topic. It's everything is all about balance. Everything is all about balance. You know, you don't want to be morbidly overweight and so out of shape that walking you, you know mowing your lawn wears you out right yeah but we don't all have to be elk shaped dan Staten level either
1: yeah and, yeah, and
0: right. that dude will motivate the hell out of you but at the same time that we, we all don't need to be there because it's not our thing. Like, like some people are just fitness. Uh, kind of like I was talking about. Like your, your, your passion is in shooting, and and this this long range shot placement, you know, ballistics and rifles and gear, you, you know that that kind of thing is, is you're, you're passionate about that. Like Dan, he's super passionate about uh, being an athlete and being in great shape. Um, yep. you know. I'm kind of in between you guys. I'm not passionate about either one of those things. I'm just passionate about notching tags.
2: There you go, man. <laughs> and it works. And, it works,
1: and man. And you nailed it on the head. Balance, and I know I'm off balance. Swung The pendulum has swung for me more to the geeking out on the, the weapon side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that buddy I hunt with, he's super into the, the fitness side of things, and I think we balance each other out. But, you know, I, I applaud those people for having – the ethics to know that hey i i don't feel comfortable making a shot sure. and that's something everybody's gonna have to look themselves in the mirror and figure out i'm not gonna sit here and say what's ethical and what's not because that's an individual decision mm-hmm. but you know like we were talking earlier i practice so much that i have full confidence in my weapons capabilities and my data and my capabilities as a shooter to put that where i want it at some distances that people are going to go oh, that's unethical okay well my ability to hit that target at 800 yards i have a better hit percentage than you do at 200 yards yeah not you but like yeah you, know, no, you hypothetically probably with I, another I, person I, I, and so
0: you probably do man yeah I, yeah i guarantee but you it's
1: do. uh it's those kinds of discussions that I, I hate it when people you know same with archery bad about it too and that's a problem sometimes with our our hunting community is we rag on each other so much that we let the antis kind of walk all over us sometimes. Yeah. I'm, and that's it. We've I'm, had those discussions, but yeah, yeah. it's,
0: it's a big, but topic anyway, uh,
1: yeah,
0: I'm writing so, a whole book on that.
1: <laughs> good. It yeah, needs to be so said, you know, it, it does, as long as it's legal. And as long as you're personally or morally, you know, okay with it, that's, you know, I got, I got nothing to, to rag on people about, you know, Yep. But it's that's being being fairly new to the the bear hunting side of things, I guess, is I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to your podcast. I listen to you know a lot of other ones on bear hunting and kind of did a lot of my own research. Mm-hmm. I figured out where to find them and been pretty successful. But last year I was able to um, – my buddy of mine, Christian, was able to sponsor me to go to – and the Western Hunting Summit that Ryan Lampers puts on every oh, year in Montana yeah, yeah. and was able to go to that. Yeah. And man, that was, was such a blast. That?
2: How was It was, was that? so
1: much fun. Is it? It's so much fun. 100% worth it. You know, and no matter what your skill level is or no matter what your experience is, you're going to learn something. I mean, I, I got to spend days with Ryan Lampers, Brian Barney, Mark Livesey, you know, just – all these dudes, Dan state was there mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. these dudes that are at the peak at the pinnacle of, you know, their respective categories and, you know, going, going back to Livesey, Mark Livesey has his treeline Academy thing that I know you're, you're a big fan of. And, you Talking know what? Him. I, I
0: I need to actually hit him up. We're supposed to record a show together, and I keep dropping the ball on the schedule. That that and it's oh, my man. bad. So I'll, I'll get him on, but yeah. Anyway, didn't mean he's, to cut you off with that. Yeah,
1: no. You're he's uh you know the e scouting side of things, right? Yep. I mean, yep. Especially now with gas, everybody doesn't want to drive to certain locations, and a lot of the times, you know, if you go like you're you're saying right now, you're snowed in. You got nowhere to go. So how are you gonna go scout? yeah for spring bear right how are you gonna have all these things and me running or just this year in general in idaho having the crazy weather that we've had there's there was snow we got snow on us when we were out there hunting you know Mm -hmm. and the snow level plays a huge role in where these bears are going to be and so you can't you can't go put boots on the ground and scout that kind of stuff
2: yeah exactly. so having
1: the ability to use all the tools that mark lays out in his program as far as you know, using the the uh, snow overlays and using all the different satellite imagery and everything that he goes through, I, I don't, don't want to spoil the secrets, but it's hundred percent worth it. I think it's hundred bucks for two years, and he's putting oh, out all these modules that, like, you're gonna spend that in a tank of gas driving, you know, up into the mountains to shed hunt and think you're gonna scout for bears. Well,
0: Dude, that that
1: gives y- like, y- you know,
0: that 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 doesn't even fill up my truck. Well, right,
1: exactly. yeah, yeah. especially drug. now, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. You know?
1: So, and that's that's the thing. People are like, "Oh man, I don't, I don't want to spend that money," but holy cow, the money that you're gonna save and i i go back to his thing you know when we started off this bear season we had a plan that we wanted to go into a certain area it was one of the reduced bear tag areas so second tag area Mm -hmm. for us it was a long ways away so none of us wanted to drive to go see how it was and so i was kind of relied on to do all that e-scouting and check the snow lines and check all the satellite imagery and and everything And, and you know his philosophy is of not being so tied into one area so committed to one area that you're just gonna gung-ho go after it you know and that was our problem is this is an area that none of us had been in before so we had all these thoughts of how it was going to be and then you get there and you're like holy cow this is a lot different than we thought plus it was just trailhead was just packed with people the area there was a outfitter running dogs in there so you know we drove quite a ways to get there with you know we didn't know what the water situation was so we packed in a bunch of water so we were 90 pounds plus walking in we would 3100 feet of elevation gain in five and a half miles just switchbacks oh, and jeez man 3100 yeah. feet in oh, i was five i was smoked i was smoked Dude, oh my gosh jim that's i don't know serious? if i've ever been that smoked i was and yeah that's, my buddy that's chris pretty, he, that's, pretty insane man that's that's when i wish i was in shape because the other dudes chris a couple dudes went in there a few hours ahead of us i had to work the night before so like we kind of got a late start and chris is just a freak and so he's just you know mountain goats it up that (laughs) that hillside, and he gets to the top and i'm dragging ass and i'm in the back just sucking wind and i i need to do a better job of nutrition too and eating along the way i don't usually stop and snack which i hit the wall pretty easy Mm -hmm. and not be in a very good shape. So, you know, and he peeks over the edge and he's at the top at, you know, where everybody's camped and I'm still down there, you know, taking three steps at a time and then just having to, you know, my legs are just jello at this point. Oh man! So he, he peers over and he goes, Hey, you want me to come down there and grab your rifle? I'm like, Oh, you mother, you know, (laughs) (laughs) he he knows, (laughs) he knows that gets me. So that gave me the motivation, I guess, to get up the hill a little better, but we get there and it, it's a beautiful area. It's big, big country, but because of the snow level and everything, it wasn't what we were expecting. You know, the snow level wasn't there, but the grass hadn't got to the point where we were at. And, you know, we were way up on the hillside. and I think too many people try to get to the top of the mountain. Well, the bears are in the bottoms. So, you know, you might be able to glass them, but you ain't getting to them. Sure. And, And I like to kind of be at a spot where I can, You know, and with all the, you know, the mapping systems and whichever, you know, Onyx, base maps, Gaia, all those ones, Google Earth, whichever one you use, you can do a distance, you know, across the canyons and see if you, where is it in that canyon that you could shoot across, just kind of see. And it, it was one of those that we got to that spot and even if we saw something, it was so steep that we wouldn't have been able to get to the bears. If we saw them, we wouldn't have been able to shoot them from where we were at and take our time over there because it was a mile across these canyons to the other side. So you would have had to have been on the same hillside as the bear to get a shot at them, but it was going to take you four hours to get over there just to get an opportunity. And it was just unrealistic for the time frame that we had and the amount of tags that we had to fill. And so we made a decision, you know, we weren't, committed to that area so much to where we were like nope we're gonna stick it out we had multiple hunt areas different options that we had so Mm -hmm. we woke up the next morning kind of analyzed things and we're like no we're backing out so we hiked back out that day uh five and a half miles and 3100 feet so in two days we did 11 miles and dropped all that elevation and so i'm smoked we drove that night another uh, six hours to get to our other spot Um, camped there for the night and then uh, woke up the next morning glassed the hillsides that we were at real quick and then hiked in Um, uh, that was a 6 mile hike in with the same thing 87, 90 pounds and I'm smoked at this point Jim this is way more walking than I thought was going down (laughs) during this bear hunt you know I like to let my eyes do the walking
0: Let's take a quick break to give our show sponsors some well-deserved love. Let's start with Scree Extreme Mountain Gear, high-performance hunting attire and gear, scientifically tested camo patterns, complete layering systems and in my opinion the finest merino wool products to keep you warm, dry and comfortable. It's all backed by a great company. Some of my personal favorites of the in the Scree lineup are the hardscrabble pants uh, for early to mid season and then as it gets colder I switch to the Kodiak pants for late season. The Bridger glassing mitts are like game changers and I love the Nebo grain gear. Scree offers great packages on the website as bundles like the elk bundle that will completely outfit you for your favorite hunt. Oh, and my favorite part, you won't need to refinance your house to get outfitted. Try the starter bundle for less than 500 bucks. It's an insane deal. With the VIP sizing guarantee, you can exchange something that doesn't fit for free. I just had to do this for something that I got my wife. It was a little big, so I just sent it back. They covered the shipping both ways and exchanged it for the right size. So go to screegear.com and at checkout, use promo code the Western Huntsman for 15% off and free shipping phelps game calls one thing that i love about companies that are born out of hunting is their story like phelps game calls the american success story that walks us through how something started small and grew into something big like phelps he started this company kind of as a hobby in his garage in 2009 now a little over a decade later phelps is one of the premier hunting call companies on the planet for good reason they're the most realistic calls on the market and that is saying something check out the amp lineup for predator calls like the three pack por one two three or the fawn in distress check those out turkey calls get a diaphragm a pot call or a box call and a complete line of waterfowl calls hit up the website and at checkout use promo code huntsman10 for 10 percent off belps game calls get them close the elk collective the best investment for hunting success is what's between your ears having elk hunting knowledge is what separates those who succeed every once in a while against those who notch tags every year there's a very fine line there and there's a perfect amount of time if you're listening to this now to get through the entire course before September. Improve your chances with a virtual course of over 140 videos that cover things like how to get elk tags throughout the west, scouting and e-scouting, beginner to advanced elk calling, gear, fitness, nutrition, shooting processes, hunting scenarios, strategies, and tons more. They've got some very big names on this platform that give you their personal expertise as you go through the course it's the best way to make you the best elk hunter as you get into the woods so go to the elkcollective.com and use promo code the for twenty dollars off it's normally eighty nine bucks so when you use my promo code it's going to be the best sixty nine dollars you've spent on elk hunting and i guarantee you it's worth every penny check it out guys Hoffman boots let me give you guys a piece of advice from a dude with many miles on his feet never skimp on quality hunting boots Hoffman boots is a fourth-generation family-owned company based in North Idaho I've been sporting a pair of Hoffman's for close to a decade particularly I like the Hoffman Explorer in the 8 inch in my most humble opinion again Hoffman offers the most comfortable hunting boot that does the least amount of damage to my feet after several miles on the mountain very little break-in period on these boots by the way uh, I took them right out of the box and went on a crazy elk hunt, not even a blister. For hunting, they have the Explorers and the Summit boot offered in insulated and non-insulated. And ladies, check out the new Women's Hoffman Explorer 400. They also carry lineman boots, winter pack boots, logging boots, and hiking boots. Get totally outfitted at HoffmanBoots.com. And at checkout, as you know, it's coming. Use promo code huntsman 10 for 10% off. Last but not least, Tacticam. If you're interested in self-filming your hunts, whether for, you know, memories or making hunting content, check out the Tacticam products like the Spotter LR Tacticam 5.0 and the film through scope system, all of which are available at westernhuntsman.com, which helps support our fight against the anti-hunting movement. But my favorite is the Tacticam Reveal Cell Cams. I use these cell cams all over my property, and I'm like obsessed with monitoring the wildlife in real time with these cameras. They not only text me instantly when a buck or a bear is cruising through, my reveals make for excellent security systems. I know when the FedEx dude is delivering packages way down at the bottom of our driveway. And I also know if some knucklehead shows up to try to steal them. I know when someone's trespassing or if I have the kind of wildlife roaming around that I don't want, you know, like a coyote. And uh, I quickly react with my cat-like reflexes. Great for trappers, great for hunters, uh, security, anything, guys. Check it out at Tacticam.com because I don't have the reveals on my website right now. Uh, Let them know I sent you. Tacticam.com. Let's get back to the show. Here we go. That's the one one beautiful thing about North Idaho. I, I mean you can you can go into areas where you're gonna get a 3100 foot elevation gain or you know five six miles up or, or or whatever but i mean there's just not a lot of that you know like yeah like i live at i live at 2200 feet elevation and my bare spots are at like 4,000 feet elevation that's that's the elevation oh, yeah. and you got to drive to it
2: you know what i mean
1: yeah <laughs> yeah
2: yeah
1: you know and and there's areas that you can get to here, but this was an area that we knew we'd all been in before. It was an area. My buddy killed his bear in last year. Um, so we knew the area, we knew it held, held bears. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: we went in there. Um, I elected, to, well, myself and a guy Tanner that was with us. We elected to be the guys to go get the water. And we had all agreed at the start of this hunt that it was, uh, if you see it, you shoot it or you can pass on it if you so choose. Sure. So I was like, oh man, I'm not going to be the one glassing. I'm not going to see a thing. We were at the same hillside. My buddy saw his bear last year. So knew it was a possibility. So as we're down, we collected like 21 liters of water, just some stupid amount of yeah. water. And we're carrying it back up to the hill. And Tanner goes, why is Chris running? Hey, wait, Hey, Chris is running. Why is he running? And I look <laughs> up and he's, he's running to my tent and grabbing my spotter. I was like, oh, crap, he must have saw something. He's grabbing the spotter. So we get back up there to camp, and sure enough, he's got a bear spotted. It. I don't know, it was something like 1,300 yards or something across this canyon. It was getting on the dark end of things, and probably 15 minutes of shooting light left. Mm-hmm. Um, sees this bear a long ways away. Big, Looks like a big bear, good bear. Wind was howling, probably 15, 20 mile an hour winds at that point still. And... He tried to, he was thinking about making a play. Chris was, Chris was the one that spot on him. So he was trying to get over, you know, thinking of a way to get over close to that bear. And he's like, I think I can get to this hillside. And, and Jim, this would have been, we did the same run last year. So it was 900 feet down to the bottom and he had to go up the other side to get to this saddle. So it wasn't a real easy jaunt. Yeah, it was a pretty Dude, I, steep. I
0: am not coming hunting
1: with you guys. Well, that's, that's where Chris's, you know, <laughs> his fitness, he could do it. Yeah. You know, I was yeah, yeah. sucking wind, you know, a while, long ways behind him last year, running after him when he shot his bear, but it would have been the same play. He just didn't have the amount of time this year as he did last year. And that bear was another ridge over, or this year's bear was another ridge over. So I was ranging, you know, the hillside that he would have been able to get to would have cut about 600 yards off. So it still would have been about a 600 yard shot uh-huh. and he was, you know still wasn't comfortable with that kind of a distance which i applaud him for and so he elected to hey you know we're not gonna go after him tonight we'll wait him out well i kind of lost a little bit of interest in it once we kind of made that decision and he disappeared into a bottom but one of the guys was still paying attention i think it was uh, jordan that was paying attention and he goes hey that bear's running right at us and i look over and by that time he had already kind of crested over a saddle and, you know, they described where it was at, brought it up on the binoculars and everything. So I was able to see where it was at. And he was running right at us, apparently. And so I was like, huh, well, if he keeps on this line, he's going to pop out on this saddle right here. And it's like, eh, guys, kind of messing around. Just started ranging can, can that I ask saddle. You right sure. there?
0: Roger, yeah. when, when you said if he keeps on that line, in your experience, when a bear is on the move like that, do they generally keep on the line or do they, uh, like, what makes them turn? I, Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I don't know. And bears, we just watching this bear. He was all over the place, which was another reason Chris didn't take a, a run after him because he was wasn't on a line. You know, wasn't just meandering in a direction. Just the five minutes that we saw him, he changed directions a bunch. Um, but the way they were describing this bear running, it wasn't a meander. He was running. And the bear I shot last year was running. And he kept a pretty good line, too. So I think there's hmm. a difference between the way they just kind of meander. Versus uh, just,
0: when they're hauling ass.
1: Yeah. And so the way they were describing it, I didn't see him. But the way they are describing it seemed like, you know, he's been chased by something. So I was like, oh, all right, okay. if he keeps on coming, he's going to hit this saddle right here. So, you know, I got range finding binoculars by Steiner. So I'm ranging. Those things are so cool, by the way. I, I'm going to go through batteries so quick on those because I range everything just messing around. <laughs> I know, I use those uh, quite a bit, too. So I range in, and I'm like, all right, if he comes out anywhere on the saddle, it's about 600 yards, 600 to 615. It's all right there. And I was like, all right. you know, And and I still, at this point, I'm not the shooter, but I'm just kind of in my head just doing all this stuff. I get out my wind meter, and I take a wind reading, and the vector of where the wind's coming from. And I'm like, okay plug it into my computer, get my dad. I'm like, okay, it's about a minute and a half cold. I, uh, reach over and I dial the elevation on my turret for what the 600 yard mark would be turned on my illuminated reticle and just sat there and waited. And just about lost interest in it again, picked up my rifles, getting ready to go back to the, the 10 as it was, you know, less than five minutes from, from shooting light. It was, it was getting yeah, pretty dark. Get and then, one of the guys was like, there he is on the saddle. And I look back and naked eye, you could see him 600 yards sitting on the saddle. And I looked over at Chris and I was like, you going to shoot him? And he goes, nah, man, fucking send it. And so I right away, I mean, everything's already dialed on my scope. I grab my bipods, flop them down. You know, I already kind of figured which elevation of my bipod I needed. Clicked those up. I already had my, <laughs> already had my <laughs> rifle cover folded up and do a rear bag like I was ready. And so I flopped that down, bipod down got that bear in my scope, had everything dialed already and sent one from the time that they saw him on the hillside to the time I sent that first round was under 10 seconds and it was quick. Wow. And he, he was seated kind of quartered away, um, kind of facing a little bit left quartered away, but seated looking back back behind him down into the draw he had just came from. And I put one right between his shoulder blades And in all rights, it should have anchored him right where he stood or sat. And it, he started flopping around and my philosophy on bears and pretty much anything is if it's still standing or still moving, give it another one. Crank another one. Yeah. 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 yeah, Especially with bears, man. They're so notorious for sucking up bullets and then people not being able to fire just because they, they don't bleed. Yeah. Yeah. bears You know, you're not getting the blood trail. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm, that bear's flopping around like a fish out of water, you know, flopping on the hillside. And I jack another one in and I send another one at him. Well, he's flopping around. It's kind of a guess where he's going to flop. I missed him on that one. And then he got back to his feet and took off running down that hillside. And so I zoomed out a little bit on my scope. So I had a better field of view and I led him right before he got into a thicket, led him quite a bit. I was, Probably 15 feet in front of him, and let one go, and it hit him. What it looked like to us, it hit him hard. He felt, you know, kind of tumbled down the hill from there, just disappeared in the brush. But it looked like it hit him hard and went down. So I thought he was down at that point, and okay. I'm a little hard. Yeah.
0: That that this is this is a good point to interject a question mm-hmm. that we kind of we kind of touched on it before we hit record here. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because, like, I'm on the edge of my seat. I, I, I love these kind of stories, and I, I think that there's a million different lessons to be learned out of these, and a million different perspectives are going to have a million different viewpoints, right? Yeah. And so the question is, what do you say when you talk about this 600 what, – what did you say it was, 615
1: or, or – Uh, I had a, I had first it still shot? dialed for 600, so – um okay, six, The second one was probably 615 ish, as he was diagonal across the hillside.
0: What do you say to, because you you know they're out there, um, and and again everybody has their own right to their own opinion. Uh, for yeah. like for me, I'm not taking a 600 yard shot for me. But that's yeah. not because I think nobody should. It's because I know th- my limitations. I know that I am not a proficient enough shooter to take a 600 yard shot, especially on a bear. What do you say to somebody who jumps on Facebook and they're like, oh, God, Roger, shouldn't be taking that? You know how they – because they're never nice yeah. about it, right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. respond and, and to that guy or gal.
1: You know, and that's – everybody, like we said before, everybody's got their own ethics that they need to follow. And like I talked about in the last year and some change, I've shot eight, 900 rounds through this rifle. I didn't mention the 2,000 that I've put through my 6.5 Creedmoor since then too, you know, like – I put a lot of rounds downrange.
0: Like, what kind of budget do you have, man? I can't afford
1: it, that much. So, <laughs> my wife might listen to this, so we're not going to talk about that on there. Okay, okay, I'll but. cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, so I, I you know, I, I do a lot. I, I, So, there's a, it's actually, a, it's got a podcast, Chris Way. It's a straight dope podcast very technical podcast, a really good one to listen to, but he's also got a uh, a what, website. What was it called? Straight dope. It's called straight dope. Okay. And then his, his website's rifle craft craft um, is with a K and he has this target. Basically it's a, we call it the, like the craft challenge or whatever, but you shoot it, you shoot It's 12 rounds, but you shoot one standing, one seated, one kneeling, and then one prone. And then you're, going back and then you do one seated or one standing seated, kneeling prone. And you do that three times. So for a total of 12 shots, and it basically shows you what grouping and you mark each one of those shots. And so he does the analytics on it and basically what your hit percentage is at different distances and everything like that. And a lot goes into it, but you know, doing a lot of those, I build and break positions a lot. So building that position to shoot that bear from was, I do that a lot. My wife hates it because I sit in the living room with dummy rounds, dry fire, building and breaking positions and dry firing it and do a lot of practice on that kind of stuff. So it's, you know, I've had those guys, those, you know, the type that want to question my ethics on a shot like that. Well, you know, running the ballistics and running the numbers, I still had over 2,100 feet a second velocity on that 200 gram bullet and over, I think 2,100 foot pounds of energy. So that's more speed and more energy than a, let's say a 30, 30 out of the muzzle.
0: Now, Roger, so, don't, don't talk smack about my 30, 30. Oh, love
1: I, 30-30. I love, I love the 30, 30s, but so many <laughs> people have been kidding. shooting deer with those. I mean, those, that thing's probably would kill the most deer, you know, my, my, everybody wants to argue. But my think, lever
0: action has killed more deer than the plague.
1: And, and I love right, it. Yeah. So, but that's, you know, that's what I'm getting at is that thing is a very effective rifle and has been for a long time. And so, you know, I, I put it in that perspective that that that's why I say that that shot should have in all rights anchored that bear.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'll get to it later where I found that bullet. But it's uh, so, so I was I was shocked that that bear didn't just drop in his tracks because I've I had very every confidence on where I hit that bear. I wasn't able because of the, the darkness and we didn't get a spotter on it. Couldn't see the trace, which is the, the lamest terms, the vapor trail behind the bullet. Couldn't see that because the sun was down so much. So, mm-hmm. um, but I was able to see that bear got impacted. And it looked like it hit him hard and I had confidence that I put the bullet where I wanted it to. And so that's, you know, that, that's what I try to say to people is yeah. I, I practice enough to, to know that I, I can make that shot. You know, well, my, my you, hit percentage on that shot is, is very high.
0: You nailed it, man. You you uh, referred to something I don't know if you called it personal or individual ethics that but but ethics are a thing that is very personal to some hunters and other hunters that perceive or have what they determine their personal ethics are are different it's almost like they take it personal right yeah and and, and yeah. that's what we need to stop doing like i i would never make a 600 round shot or a round 600 yard shot on a bear personally for me the, but that doesn't mean i'm mad at you for doing it right because i know you <laughs> yeah. put a hell of a lot more rounds down range you're more familiar with your rifle uh, rifle i i focused on the bow so for for like far too long and i i, I found the last couple of years that i really enjoy rifle hunting still and so uh, it's one of those things that I need to build my proficiency up. Maybe in five years or two years or ten years, maybe I'll take a 600-yard shot. But for right now, that's a personal choice. And so that's, yeah. I think, the message that I'm trying to get to people is somebody's perth- personal ethics and their confidence level and what they're shooting and, and how long is, is not beholden to your personal opinion. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like everybody's is different. I have yeah. I have buddies that I was in the military with that were actual legitimate, not drunken bar claimer to beer types, actual snipers <laughs> in the Marines that could make that shot all day long and twice on Sunday. I I can't. And, and yeah. so,
1: does that and make sense? And that's my buddy too. Yeah, that's you know the my buddy Chris from uh, California that I told you got me into this kind of spent a lot of my money over the years, which I'm gonna have to give him shit for because Yeah. You know, my budget's different now. But yeah, so he's he was a SWAT sniper down there and he's he's the kind of guy that can make this shot too, but it, mm-hmm. it's uh Yeah, it's the guys that buy these in I just use gun works because they're easy because they say a thousand yards out of the box. Well, just because the rifle is capable of it doesn't mean the shooter is exactly and you could, you could take a gun. That's a, you know, quarter quarter minute gun, quarter MOA gun. So shoot, shooting quarter inch groups at a hundred and you could put it in the hands of a subpar shooter and it's not going to be a quarter inch gun. You know, your load, yeah. your ammunition that you like it might be a quarter inch gun, but your load might not be a quarter inch or, you know, it, so all these tolerances stack, so to speak. So when I, I I would rather have somebody have a you know, save their money and have a three quarter minute gun, you know, factory gun and spend the money on ammunition and train and, and do that stuff than, you know, buy the ten thousand dollar rifle but not be able to point. afford to yep. to shoot.
0: That is such a critical point, Roger. Like that that's that's I think the the most critical point out of this podcast in terms of how hunters treat each other with their varying opinions and, and, and personal ethics, because uh, we all have different value sets that pertain to our ability and our confidence level. Like, like that, we were talking about that 30, 30, uh, lever action rifle. I've got Um, that sucker. You put anything within about 160 yards of me, that sucker. uh, And I have that, that rifle. It's an open sighted. There's no optics on it. It's got this old sling on it. It's got dings and dents, but I know exactly where that bullet is going to go. And I don't know shit about ballistics, yeah. <laughs> but I,
1: should, hey, I have shot it I was so say, much. Yep, you're
0: intimately I have, familiar I, I with that rifle. I am intimately rifle. familiar yep. with it, and I know if I've got something within 160 yards, I say 160 because that's about the longest I'll take on that one. Um, it, it, that's that's it's dead. It's dead. I know that. Yeah. Um, Put me yeah, in that same awesome, rifle at 220 yards. I'm, I'm probably I'm not going to be as confident. I'm not going to take the shot. So anyway, good. let's huh. let, we we derailed it again. Sorry about that, but I think <laughs> that's, that that that's, was a super important point. That. Um, and and he did a good job explaining that. And so you hit him twice, and he kind of ran down into the bottom. It's getting yeah. dark. Uh, that's kind of where and, we left and, off.
1: Yeah, and at that point, I I hate celebrating without putting hands on something, you know, I just, I've seen it all too often. I've had it done before. I've shot a buck, let it lay overnight, thinking it was dead, got her, uh, sorry, shot a buck, went to go give it some hours, thought I was going to walk up on it dead. And it got up and ran away mm-hmm. Found it the next morning. didn't give him enough time, but I, you know, so I, I don't like celebrating too early until I put hands on something. And so that, that night was a little rough, but I'd been, just smoked from the, the hiking with all that pack on that. I slept pretty good, but we got up the next morning and went down after it and kind of made a plan as to where we were going to, you know, set up. I I went to the hillside that he was on to get where his tracks were and everybody else kind of fanned out down through the hillside. Um, Two of the guys had their handguns. One guy had a handgun and his, his rifle just in case we needed it. And then I had my rifle, I brought, and I should preface this, I brought nine cartridges up there on the hillside. I usually bring a little bit more than that, but this time I was like, "Ah, I'll probably do it. Yeah. We'll we'll get to that a little bit later. But so I'm on the hillside, and I'm not finding blood where I should have been finding blood, which, like I said, with a bear, not a huge deal just because they're, you know, they got the fat layer, they're fur. they're They're furry. They're super furry. Yeah, they soak it up. And because of where I hit him, I knew it wasn't going to be a super bloody shot right right between the shoulder blades and his back. It's not like it's down low. So I wasn't expecting a whole lot of blood when I was trailing him, tracking him. And then where I hit him the second time, then I started seeing a lot of blood. So I was like, great sign. Well, I'm also finding in his tracks were wolf tracks.
0: Uh, Uh, A set,
1: one set of wolf tracks. In this bear's tracks and I was like, no way. Like so, this thing so there's was either this,
0: there's like this lone wolf kind of following him.
1: Yeah.
2: And you never yeah, saw in him.
1: his tracks. No, never saw the wolf, which is you know, thinking about it now, we we thought, you know, maybe that bear was getting chased out of that area by another bear, a bigger mm-hmm. bear. After seeing those wolf tracks, I'm like, Holy cow, there was a wolf. That was probably chasing this bear that that bear got to that saddle when I was when I shot him, got to that saddle and was looking back down into the draw at the wolf. And then I shot him and then it got dark. So we didn't see the wolf pop out on the saddle. And follow that bear down the hill. Mm. But so we, we're tracking him and it gets down into a creek bottom and I'm expecting to see him piled up in any one of these little dark holes in this creek bottom. And we're tracking him, tracking him. Still Wolf tracks down in there, too. Wolf following down in there. And then uh, Buddy Jordan yells out what everybody wants to hear. I got him over here. He's
2: you know, oh, he's down
1: nice. and everything. So I go running over there. We all go over there. He's like, he's down right there. Look, you can see the you could see him down over here. Sorry. Hold on. and so I go over there and I look. Sure enough, you can see him in there. Bring in my rifle standing. Like, yeah, that's him. Kneel down, I'm like, yeah, I just kind of knelt down through my glass looking at him. and just like, man, somebody throw a rock in there just to make sure. And I went, hey, bear. And when I said, hey, bear, he kind of perked up and went, oh, shit, pow. No kidding? Yeah, he was still alive. Shot him. Shot him at, I don't know, we're probably 20 yards at this point from this bear, and he's in this thick brush.
0: So he, he didn't hear your buddy saying, hey, I got him over here?
1: No, we and we were sitting there talking. He, we were, we weren't being quiet, you know? Okay. So he was close to
0: death anyway. He, He was close.
1: Yeah, most likely. Um, but he, he had enough to move. And so I hit him again and then he did the death moan, roared out and you could hear him flopping around in the, the Creek bottom, but I couldn't see him. So I maneuvered around to the Creek, um, downhill side of him to get a better shot at him again. Like I said, it's, if they're still moving, I'm going to give them another. So I get down in there, and my buddy Chris goes with me. So at that point, that's four shots, three hits on that bear. So which, he's,
2: which
0: one do you think you didn't hit? Was it the second one when he yeah, was running no, I, Yeah,
1: I know. I know it was the second one. I saw it. Oh, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah.
0: I must have missed that part. Yeah, it's it's crazy right. how much lead these suckers can suck up. Can oh, you
1: man. Yeah, and... I said, "All right, so this bear would have died after that third shot, but I'm we're in such close proximity. I'm not giving him a chance to charge. I'm not giving, you know, I, I want to kill him as quickly as I can. And so he's still at this point. He's not moving. I get to a spot where I could see through the thick kind of willow patches, and he's facing me, um, perched on a a stump." bipod out sitting there standing but perched on the stump with my bipod he's looking at me he's not moving well i zoom in with my scope because i was at four power but i zoom in and i could see his eyes his eyes are away, open looking at me and then he looks over at my, it, without moving his head he's looking over at my buddies looking over at me looking over at my buddies with his eyes and i'm watching this
2: mm.
1: and i was like crap where i got when i'm looking at him all i could see i could see his head and then his left shoulder And I can't, if I shoot his left shoulder, it's just going to be a shoulder shot. It's not going to get into the cavity just because of how straight on it is. I'm not going to try to skip one off of his forehead. I just didn't have a good shot. And I didn't want to maneuver out of that creek bottom at a good spot. And I didn't know if I was going to be able to see him anywhere else. So it was kind of a waiting game at that point. I was sitting there. It uh, felt like forever, but I think it was only a couple minutes and I'm sitting there waiting for him. And I told my guys, I was like, Hey, we're just going to wait him out. If he moves, I'll give him another one. If not, you know, we see him. He's right here. Well, in my infinite wisdom, I decided I was going to try to take a picture or record video through my rifle scope with my phone. If you've ever tried to do that before, it's a pain in the ass because yep. you got to get the right eye relief. You got to get it in. So I'm kind of messing with that not paying attention and my buddy goes he's up he's up and i dropped my phone look in my scope again and sure enough he had gotten to his his front feet and he was on his front feet and i put one into his chest flopped him back over into the creek bottom and he was flopping around over in there and then gave him another one and then i think one more so for a total of four four shots down there in in the creek bottom that you know, mm-hmm. this, this, the second volley, we were at like 15 yards. I think we we're a little bit closer than the first shots, but 10, 15 yards, but it was bad breath distance in there with the wounded bear that, uh, it's not how I like to have it done. But yeah, he like said, if, if he's still moving, I'm, I'm giving it to him. And luckily I didn't lose. It was a lot of me because I was hammering the same shoulder oh, so,
2: and okay. chest cavity. That's what so I, I didn't, ask. I
1: lost, yeah, I lost one, one front shoulder but um, mm-hmm. everything else was chest cavity shots. You know, they were every, every shot that I hit him was in front of the ribs. They were all, you know, upper torso shots. So, oh, okay. so um, not,
0: not terrible.
2: Uh, yeah.
1: And so yeah, we walk up to this bear and you know, it's, it's a really, he's a big bear. He's a real good size. Um, I squared him out at six and a half, a little over six and a half feet. and, um, just kind of nice. a preliminary measurement on his skull, um, 18 to or 18 and a half to 19. Um, I got it sitting in a pot right now. I got to boil it. Probably going to do that tomorrow, but he's, uh, you know, it, and, uh, I guess field dressing him and everything. And I was able to find where I hit him. The first shot right, right between the shoulder blades as I was taking his back strap off, mm-hmm. find perfectly mushroom bullet sitting, you know, their backbone, that ridge separating the left from the right, mm-hmm. and then it L- L's down where their ribs come in. That bullet was sitting perfectly lodged in that L in in the middle of his shoulder blades and perfectly mushroomed and everything right there. And it it had actually it damaged a bunch of his vertebrae in there. They were they were kind of cracked up and 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 everything, but he's he was still kicking. And then the second shot hit him in the neck, uh, probably just right in front of the shoulders, Mm -hmm. right in the neck. And it hit, and it's still same that that ridge. It actually fractured a bunch of those vertebrae and just mush, you know, just a big asshole right through his neck. Mm. And he was still kicking. At that one. That's crazy. So So
0: the first two shots, like no vitals were hit? Is that that what you're thinking?
1: Yeah, they were, I mean, backbone shots. That that one didn't penetrate. The first one didn't penetrate his backbone into the chest cavity. And then the second one um, in the neck hit the vertebrae and everything, but didn't. And that's what made it look like he, when I hit him in the neck, he crumpled, right? It probably knocked him out. Sure. Just... The energy at that point still knocked him out, but it wasn't something that was – I mean, it was a mortal injury. But if if I wouldn't have put, put more into animal, him, yeah. he would have – yeah, it would have – we would have been chasing him down the mountain for a while. So but,
0: at that point, you, you've got him in the bottom of this, this drainage. You, you tracked him. You finish him off kind of thing. Like, How far back to the truck is it at that point?
1: Uh, it's probably, uh, six and a half, seven miles oh, okay. the way not, we came out. Yeah. Terrible, it's not, not terrible. terrible.
2: No, no, okay. no. Okay. But it, you
1: know, we were down at the bottom, so we had to go up about 900 feet to get to the camp and then it was pretty much all downhill from there, but.
0: He's such a good bear, man. I'm on your, yeah, on your he, Instagram right now.
1: Dude, uh, that, so I have some pictures that you, I don't think that I've posted them yet, but, um, I guess the uphill side. Uh, I guess been uh, the east side of that drainage where he was at that wolf tracks came all the way down into where he was at. So I think that wolf had bade him like a dog bade him into that willow patch all night. Wow oh. because that that wolf track those wolf tracks were all over in that creek bottom where that bear wolf died And so I think that wolf bade him in that in that willow yeah, patch a thick right. willow patch. And so that uh, kind of had us on edge. And I sat on his carcass for a day just to make sure. Hopefully, a wolf popped out. But oh, you never were trying to see get it. the wolf. I'm,
0: yeah, I'm, I'm caught up in your your some of the Instagram photos here. I mean, he's just he's just a great yeah. bear. I mean,
1: gosh. Yeah, we thought sucker. he was black. Just seeing him from 1,300 yards, yeah, we he's thought he was black. Really if it's if it's the same if it's the same bear we saw at 1,300, we don't know. But it came from mm-hmm. the same direction, so we're assuming it was. Um, but yeah, just a dark chocolate. I was I was kind of hoping it was a jet black. I've never killed a jet black. A bunch of you know cinnamon red red colored ones, but he's a cool, cool look at the color. teeth on
0: that sucker, man. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't want him getting a hold of you.
1: Yeah, yeah huh. it's, they're so unpredictable too. I just yeah I'm not gonna take the chance. And yeah, so cut them up, pack them out, and then. <laughs> We ended up all kind of going to this creek bottom where we hung them in a tree and just drawing the shade for a couple of days because we still had three or four days in there. Mm-hmm. Cut up some pieces and cooked them over the fire, which was really cool. Doing some willow sticks as kind of like a, a fire grate and laid them out, laid some pieces out, seasoned them and cooked oh, them over, over the willow? fire. Yeah. Oh, cool, which is really It was really good. That was the first time I have had a bear that way. We had, you you liked it, and yeah. Yeah, it was good.
0: That always leads to the question because there, there's a lot of people that listen to this that uh, have never never had bear, and oh, so man. talk talk just you know briefly what what your takeaway or not takeaway, but what, what, like what's your take with when it comes to bear meat? How does it compare to other wild game? Uh, is there a oh, favorite man. way
1: that you I, prepare it? I've only ever had it in sausage and and hamburger that was the first time i've had it in like raw form i guess steak or you know not in a hamburger or sausage but it's it's my preferred like wild game hamburger over deer even my wife she'd take that over my deer or even my elk and hamburger and, and whatnot so it's uh it gets eaten first in my household
0: do you, do you do any sausage after the fact?
1: Um, I don't. I still have some left over from last year. I, I'm not a big breakfast sausage guy, and so it's kind of one of those. I, I mostly get them in, into hamburger, oh. one-pound little hamburger bricks. But.
0: What would you say, yeah. um, Roger, to somebody somebody listening to this that wants to – because when you, when you tell this story, what I think about is – uh, like for for me, I know that there's people up here in northern Idaho that do it because we have a lot of bears, especially like up in Unit One, um, due to the grizzly population. You can't set baits, uh, but it's mm. still pretty thick up there. Um, yeah, it does open up a little bit more. However, you, you know that that said, up in Unit One, where you get you get some more, you know, kind of open country where spot and stock is a little bit more viable. Um and, and but and and I know I'll say this and somebody's gonna be like well I spot and stock in unit you know three four five six seven eight you know all all these different yeah, units yeah. but for the most part the spot and stock opportunity is fairly limited just due to the density of the of the woods up here so yep. let's just all agree without sending me any hate mail um that you know generally speaking it's it's very difficult to do a, a spot and stock hunt um like this and consistently and, and and make her happen. So that was a long way of me getting to somebody's listening to this and they want to do like a spot and stock bear hunt. Uh, what would you say is like a key takeaway in terms of a lesson that you got out of this season that you think other people would benefit from knowing?
1: Man, it just kind of goes back to the time behind the rifle. And it's not – I know ammo is expensive and it's hard to find and not everybody's got the ability to hand load. But there's.
0: What do you mean it's expensive? I, I have a hard yeah. time believing that in <laughs> Joe Biden's America. I know, right? Whoa, 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 whoa. But, who said
1: that? It's right. So there's there's things you can do. Um, and Jim, I'd recommend this too for your daughter. Is there's companies out there that make dry fire training systems?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so if you Google DFATs, dry fire, um, hold
0: on, I'm pulling. It's a,
1: yeah. D Yeah.
0: I'm 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 handwriting it because I don't want to pull up my other laptop. It messes with my.
1: <laughs> so it, yeah, it's uh. Is it D F A T? Fir- yeah. It's a dry fire training system that is. Um, so most scopes, the parallax or the focus knob will go down to, you know, depending on the scope, fifty yeah. twenty five yards. Other than that, it's blurry if you're in any any closer. Well, um, DTS Precision, and there's another company um, that makes these scope caps. It's a or a lens that goes over your ocular or objective, not ocular, sorry, your objective lens that allows you to focus their your parallax down to feet, like 10, 12 feet. Oh, and wow. so you're able to, and then they have super high resolution images, like targets that you can use to dry fire um they have ones that are hunting specific so they're life size as it would be you know looking through your scope so if you look at these pages normally the targets are tiny but you're yeah. looking through a magnified optic so they show up as, as life real size, size yeah. you know as a life size and they say on there like at what yardage this would be the size um of that animal or whatever so it, it's a uh, it's a super cool system and they're not expensive. You know, you buy, you buy one The whole package is probably going to run you 150 bucks, which shooting a 300 short mag, that's a box and a half of ammo. You know, yeah. that's stuff's 90 bucks a box. So, you know, people are going to look at that and go, man, that's expensive. Well, well, you're getting thousands of trigger pulls building and breaking positions on you know, life size hunting targets and everything like that. And you can use your, you know, whatever you do need some artificial lighting because when you're zoomed in that far, your, your scope gets real dark. So some Mm. artificial lighting on these pages, but it's a super neat system that is it's easy to do in your home, dry firing, obviously make sure your firearm safety is everything's unloaded. Right. Oh yeah. But you can get these trigger pulls and you could see your wobble zone, you know, see in different shooting positions where you're going to be the most stable and what your zone, you know, your wobble zone is. And so those are things that people can do that don't have the ability to go out and put rounds down range. And it's a nothing beats putting rounds down range. It's just, that's the ultimate, but this is a very close. I do a ton of dry fire, whether it's weapon manipulations or just actually pulling the trigger Mm -hmm. on these targets. But it's a, it's a huge thing. So that's that's my okay. biggest takeaway is, is Chris if Chris if Chris was able to do a little bit more of the I mean he's big into Brazilian jiu jitsu, and that takes up a ton of his time. He competes and all that stuff. He's big into the that side of things and the fitness. So that takes up that's his passion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know mine is firearms. So we have a little bit different skill sets. And but you know if he did a little bit more of this, he probably would have been the one killing that bear. Not me. He spotted it. He did all the hard stuff. I just shot it. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's why I say, I, I I don't want to tote myself as a a good hunter. I'm a, I'm a really good shooter that puts myself in situations to be where the animals are. Okay. Which, you know, some guys, Ryan Lampard, some other guys are like, no, I don't take over 400 yard shot. Those guys are super good hunters because they kill every year, getting into those distances. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I've had a pretty good l- luck though last four years harvesting animals and filling tags, but it's more because of my shooting ability and not necessarily my yeah, hunting there's, ability. There's I, like, I guess one goes with the other, but it's it, you know, well, it
0: does. But there's no, the, the, you're you're exactly right. Uh, like there is no right or wrong way when it comes to that kind of stuff because you're proficient in 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 ways that make you lethal and yeah you're following your passion and that's the point of hunting the the, the point of hunting is, is to fulfill this passionate side this this ancient thing that that, that we as humans and uh, that, that we we need to fulfill I, I get it it's not it's not the total point we want to fill our freezers we want to do all yeah. that kind of stuff get the memories and and, and yes 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 and yes but th- we are also out there to uh, follow a passion and and your passion happens to be on that side and I, I just checked out that Dfat system that's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: Um, so there's another company. It's called um, IDTS. Ida, Dave, Tom, Sam. IDTS mm-hmm. Dry Fire Training System, and they have a similar system. It's kind of more of a, a big poster, kind of a roll down poster that's got, you know, they have a North American Hunter Starter Kit. That they have a different levels, and it looks like it's the same image, but just different levels. And it's um, that's a that's a pretty cool one because you can do it from prone seated kneeling standing and you're shooting at targets that are or you're dry firing on targets that are at those levels which is pretty cool but they have a beautiful hillside just full of animals and it tells you what yardage they are so you can work on using your edc reticle or dialing your turrets and doing all those things that you know Yeah, yeah you need to do and it's not stupid stupid long ones right i think this one is 500 yards the you know the size of these targets so that's not like you're gonna be looking at something that's a thousand yards away but it's giving you the ability to see an animal through your scope get a trigger pull and not just because if you're and i do it a lot if you're just laying on the ground in your living room you know building positions and pulling the trigger you can't see it might look like you're not wobbling but you can't see unless you got something else on the other end you can focus at.
2: Yeah. For sure. And
1: so it's people like, oh I drive fire all the time. Well do you drive fire at something that you can see your wobble zone? And most people don't because yeah. this system isn't very well known, but it's a man, it's invaluable. And that's a hundred hundred and fifty five bucks for the kit and it, it gives you everything
2: okay. that you're
1: gonna need. Yeah, and that's like you say that's a, like said, that's a couple that. like that's a couple boxes of that. ammo, man. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's that a, we, we, it's we a would a great all use system. That.
0: I mean, my, my, yeah, that this 300 wind mag I've got, I mean, man, it was like 60 bucks for the box of rounds uh, that I just saw. And that
1: was for like the cheap shit. Yeah. Right. The Winchester white box or something. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, but that's, it's especially for new hunters, like your daughter, that's mm going to be huge for her to be able to build positions and, and aim at something that you're, you know, you're telling her, okay, aim at the, at the deer. He's at 200 yards or whatever, and you're able to see her, and she's able to get that sight picture and get that muscle memory of working the bolt and, and doing all that stuff. Which is, kids are going to be hesitant when they go out and shoot, especially with their parents. Everybody mm-hmm. thinks guns are bad, and so it even you know growing up as a kid, I was afraid to shoot around my dad because I was afraid to get yelled at. I was afraid to do something stupid. You know, afraid because they always say you know, there's no second chances. You mess up with a firearm and it could be somebody dead. Well, so people get on edge, right? And so they have a hard time getting all these other fundamentals down because they're worried about the, the loud blast and the recoil and everything else. Well, so they're, they're not building positions. Good. They're not doing the follow through. They're not working the bolt. They're not doing all these other fundamentals that these dry fire training systems are just great. And then you go out and you have them shoot. And then it just, I think it, it probably limits some of the anxiety that especially new shooters have.
2: Yeah. No, that's type a great point. System.
0: That's great. I'm, I'm, I'll get it because I'll, I'll even use it. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I've been shooting for almost, you know, what am I? 41. I, I mean, a long time. <laughs> yeah. And so, but I, I don't ever want to be, I'll never limit myself. I'll use it. I'll, I'll
1: practice with yeah. it for sure. No, I I use it all the time in my garage. It's a, it's a, it's a, great training tool really you know i'll be out there reloading as my brass is tumbling or something i'll do you know i'll put myself on a timer and see how fast i can get down into a position and and touch off a dry fire and you could see too when you pull the trigger if you if you're hammering that trigger and you're not getting a good trigger press you're going to see that wobble zone you're going to see it move and so a lot of times when people are shooting they're like oh no that was a great trigger press well as joel turner says your mind will not let your body experience an explosion by surprise yeah and so these people that are like man no this this gun shoots like crap it's you know it's two inch group people are flinching and i know you're preparing yourself or you're not you don't have a good you know whether it's a natural point of aim your position's not built right and you're yeah yep you're you're the weakest link in this whole system not the rifle not, not the, the rifle. ammo and so i think people put more emphasis on trying to get a rifle that's a quarter minute rifle, buying all these expensive stuff. Where you're the you're the weak link in this whole thing. You're the one that's going to make this an inaccurate system. And so I think mean, people need to focus a little bit more on their side of things, their training. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, we I got mean, sidetracked again, dude. No, no, that's okay, man.
0: <laughs> it's it because it's it's going down the you know the right the right direction for a conversation where where people are going to get stuff out of it and and that right. that that's a great program. I just I you know as you were talking I was looking on my phone um and I yeah I'm super interested in that. So um I mean at the at the end of the day uh you, you tagged out. You got a great bear. You got a bunch of meat out of it. Um yeah. you got a great memory, a great story. Uh, th- this is this is what we do. This is what we talk about on this show. And and oh, yeah. you know it, it's just a congratulations. I, I I know I said it over a text message or whatever, but um you know now it's in person. Congratulations on a great bear. Right. Well, I
1: appreciate that, man. And it's I feel bad. I and I keep telling Chris this like it's, it. This feels like this is his bear. It, it, everybody's bear, right? That was on that trip with us. Everybody helped me pack it out. Everybody helped me cut it up. Everybody.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: my tag was the one that got notched but you know this was everybody's bear everybody well, had a hand in it and, and it's mean, a it was a definitely a, a group effort on this one for sure
0: yeah absolutely and, and i love i love that you make that point because and, and that's how it should be when when yeah. it's a when when you're hunting with a team or, or a buddy or, or whatever you know that there is a there is a sense of ownership for the people that didn't actually pull the trigger because yeah. everybody's there to help, and and that's what makes a good hunting partner or a great hunting team is everybody's committed to this one goal. It doesn't matter who's actually putting the tag on it; they're they're just as enthusiastic, you know what I mean? And, oh, yeah. and so yeah. that's kind of what it sounds like with in your situation. And uh, you know, that, again, again, you, you don't ever want to you ever go out with that person that makes you feel like shit or, or feel guilty for for pulling the trigger then you're yeah. hunting with the wrong person i
2: mean honestly oh, yeah. you are and
0: i mean i unless you you spot uh let's say a big 200 inch buck walks out 50 yards from you and all of a sudden uh you, you, you nudge your buddy check this buck out and and all this he cracks off a shot before you have a chance
1: okay, yeah I get yeah that. that's I a get dick it. move yeah
2: <laughs> don't be a dick <laughs> that would yeah. be a dick move
1: nah. chris but, chris has been he's been so great with everything and yeah you know he was as happy as it would have been if he shot it but i just oh man i just feel like you know i just feel like i i didn't i didn't hunt it you know i didn't you just like not I said a dick, dick. I, I, I didn't i didn't spot it i didn't i don't know it's just it feels weird to me i guess just it almost feels like a guided hunt you know i've never been on a guided hunt but i would imagine this is kind of what it feels like if somebody does the spotting for you and you know but it just
0: well, I think it was just circumstantial. I mean, you were fetching water, yeah. right? I mean, right? No, you, yeah, you know, it's it's just again, uh, it, as long as your your buddies understand, they're probably not making you feel like shit about it. No, no, um, they never know. said a
1: never said a ill word about it at all. You know, never like, huh, that should have been my, you know, nothing, man. Just yeah. they've all been great. You know, Chris spotted it initially. Yeah, I shot it, but then Tanner or uh, Jordan found it down on the bottoms, and then Tanner, the other buddy that was with us. He helped me pack it all the way out to the truck when he had to leave. But mm-hmm. you know, it was a it was a, definitely a group effort, man. It was a, a lot of fun hunting with these dudes, for
0: sure. And it, it's been fun, like being um, what do you call that on Instagram? Like your friend on Instagram or follower? Uh, I'm your follower. Uh,
2: yeah, I yeah, follow I'm you on friends, Instagram,
0: man. and so it's it it was fun watching you put that story together. Uh, because it, it just shows your level of commitment and your passion behind this bear. And to you know, a lot of people, you see a picture. Hey, I got a bear. Um, or or the famous, I got a got it done today. You know, <laughs> um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It doesn't have to be just a bear, but there there's something there's there's this added side to it when you kind of tell the story through like multiple days and multiple posts. Uh, it, it tells people that watch that, that th- this was not some fluke thing that you were accidentally do it, doing, you went out with a purpose and you're super passionate about it. Um, and, and you're happy with the results and, and all this hard yeah. work kind of came to fruition and you're excited to tell the story. And, and that's what I love about it. And that's what hunting is. That's what hunting should be. Um, yeah, and I
1: haven't even got into the. The rodeo that was the pack out and everything oh so that I, was a yeah, yeah. straight a like mess. like what i
0: i so correct me if i'm wrong in my mind um because i, I didn't read all the posts I, I, I am i'm envisioning you had this bear down in that willow patch down in the bottom of the drainage there uh i'm i'm thinking it was what a 500 to a thousand elevation gain back up to get to camp and then back down
1: and i, I don't know like just yeah that so that day yeah it wasn't that bad i mean we had all day we were kind of you know we knew that that was going to take up all, all of our time until the evening time and everything and so that wasn't bad but it was the the day following that that um tanner had to go out he had to leave the trip early to go back to work and yeah. so that's when I, you know looking at the weather and we were getting spotty weather all the time and we were up pretty high elevation so and looking at it, we're like, man, we're probably gonna get thunderstorms, snow that day. So, I was like, I can I gotta get this bear into a cooler. I don't want it to get wet um, and spoil. It was cold, but I didn't want it to get wet. Yeah. And so Tanner was going out already. He grabbed some of the meat. Um, I loaded up the bear, and then we hiked out the six miles back to the truck that day. Well, Chris and Jordan went off into another area. We're seeing bears. And they were like, hey, man, if you want to stay at the truck tonight, cool. Go ahead and stay at the truck. You know, we'll hunt around. If we get something, we'll let you know. I was like, man, if they get something, I'm not there to help them. You know, it's kind of a dick move. So dropped off everything at the truck. Uh, and, oh, so we had uh, we, we had planned to render down some bear fat and cook some of this bear in, in the oil. But we were we ran out of fuel chris oh, a, no. brought a chris brought a canister up that was well ended up going empty on like the third day and so we're like well, we don't know if we have enough fuel so when i was coming back in they're like bring some extra fuel and bring some Coors light so i pass, <laughs> i get back to the truck <laughs> oh so back to the nine nine rounds so i only had nine cartridges well after that melee with the bear i only had two left i'm like uh-huh. wow, well, i'm gonna run into wolves so i brought more cartridges in about six Coors lights, and then I can't stir fuel in case they got something. And so I decided to hike back in. So I'm coming in. This would have been like mile 12 when I get back. As soon as I'm getting back to the camp, the wind is just getting in. It's starting to rain, and I look up on the hillside where our camp is, and I could see my tent blowing in the wind. Oh, no. Like, Crap.
0: And like like blowing across a mountain, or was it still kind of staked well, down? Well, just
1: about. It was staked down, but it was not staked like it should have been yeah yeah and so i'm like crap I'm guilty
0: it's of that <laughs> blown all
1: over and so i i was supposed to drop the beers off into the creek and let them stay cooler in the spring i just ran up to the top and as i'm getting up there i have a helinox chair that i have staked down well it was in my vestibule well that vestibule came off and so my helinox chair was almost down the mountainside so i had to run and go grab that and then my tent's blowing all over, rain's getting inside on my down sleeping bag and Dang. everything, all my gear that's in the inside, because it was just nasty, nasty wind. So I'm grabbing corners, trying to keep everything down and trying to jimmy rig. Well, three of the four corners of my tent, the webbing straps broke. Oh, no. And so it was hold, holding down by the vestibule stakes and then one corner. I'm trying to try to wrangle this rodeo and trying to do all this and just getting dumped on, just getting rained on bad. And I get it kind of Jimmy rigged down with that area where we're at. I needed to be able to tighten down and I had, I can do different knots, tensioning knots and stuff. And I had those done as best I could, but Mm -hmm. they weren't holding like I wanted. And I couldn't just grab the stakes and stretch them out further and restake them down because of how rocky everything was. I actually had rocks, stake or stacked on top of the stakes to keep them in <laughs> which thinking about it now that's probably what caused those three straps to break is i bet you a rock had blown over onto that webbing strap and oh, everything yeah, that was probably, just rocking yeah. and rolling it just cut it yep. you know i'll bet you're that's, exactly right that's that's yeah that's what i'm thinking i was kind of pissed at the tent maker at the time but i was like thinking about it later i like, ah, that's probably my fault but I couldn't – this thing was just still – it was just a limp noodle, and it was blown in the wind. And I'm like, man, we're going to get more snow and rain this tonight. And I was like, text the guys uh, on the inReach, and I was like, hey, dude, my tent's not going to make it overnight. I'm just going to get soaked. I'm going to pack up and head back to the truck. Well, I've already done 12 miles that day. The first six were you know, 90 pounds, and then coming back in was pretty light with six coolers lights. But it was uh, – <laughs> I started packing all my stuff up and everything and I had to go back. I had another tent in the truck, but um Dang. I was uh yeah, so I packed everything up and they those dudes hauled us back to the to the camp too and their tents were doing pretty good, but everything was everybody was wet taking a beating. They're like, All right, we'll we'll walk out with you. So we all packed up, chugged the beer. So we only packed back out three beers. Three beers, yeah. They took out all the cans though. Everybody, if you pack it in, pack it
0: out. Ah man, yeah, that's a man over that. We, we dude, see eye to eye on this, man. Nothing yeah. pisses me off faster. Dude,
1: it's it's heavier packing them in than it is packing them out. Why not it pack is them out? Like up? pack
0: it, them out. Freaking nobody yeah. wants to see your beer cans or sardine dude. cans on the mountain. It yeah, no joke, dude.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. So, so we ended up loading everything up. So I did eighteen miles that day. Yeah. Coming back out, I was at like eighty five pounds and it just I
2: was I never would have say, thought, man, right, that I, I was, was gonna do yeah.
1: that. If you would have asked me before season you were gonna do eighteen miles in one day, you know, twelve of which were with pretty heavy pack on and I told you you're crazy because 'cause yeah, I'm not in shape and I probably wouldn't have done that, but it's just uh Isn't it, it amazing? A crazy-
0: like that, because I now I'm no I'm no mathematician, but I I was adding it up, and so so 18 miles in one day. D- does it surprise you sometimes, Roger? Like how far you can push your body like beyond the limitations of what you thought yeah. was capable.
1: And that's kind of that's another good takeaway from this trip is you're stronger between the ears than you think, and. You, if you're strong enough between the ears, you could push your body to do stuff that you wouldn't have thought.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I said, if you would have asked me that before, so I did. what did uh, 11 miles before we got to that point, Six going in. The next day coming in and out probably. I don't know. Shit, sure I'm about at math, So that's what 20. Wait. Probably 18 miles. Then so probably 35, 36 miles this trip.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and I never would have thought.
1: In I don't know, four days, five days. Four days, yeah. Five days. Five, five days I think. So I, I never would have never would have thought I would have done that. I'm just yeah, I'm that's crazy. That's not how I hunt. That's not how I mean during elk season, right? You're you're doing but it's light. I'm I'm usually running a gun with a IA pack a day mode and it's not nothing heavy. The yeah. Majority of these miles were with eighty five to ninety pounds on, which I was you know, I think the only time the coming back in with the Coors Light was the lightest I was. Everything else was with a full pack. So Are I you? never would have thought that, but I just, I guess in my head, decided that it's gonna suck, but I can do it. You know.
0: I, I like your thinking with the Coors Light, man. I feel like between between your story and uh, you know whatever mild influence I might have, maybe between the two of us, we can get a Coors Light
1: sponsorship. <laughs> Dude, and, and you know, and that's the thing, right? Like I packed in Coors Light. I also packed in <laughs> yeah. sixteen I packed in sixteen ounces of whiskey. Like, dude, I, I'm <laughs> I not sitting say, there counting my I'm I was not gonna my say, ounces. Like, I'm not shaving weight off of my rifle, right? I'm bringing whiskey in whiskey. is um,
0: easier to know. pack, man, than Coors
1: yeah. Light,
2: but uh, okay. But we had already drank sense. most of it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> but that was you know, it's like, uh, hey man, I'm out there to have a good time, I'm out there to be comfortable. I pack in a Helinox chair. Yeah. Yeah, I could. I got a Z seat, I could do all that lightweight, you know, cut my toothbrush handle off stuff. But I want it yeah, to be comfortable. Glassing, glassing off of a Helinox chair or a Big Agnes chair, any of those chairs, those lightweight chairs, those are those are money, man. They're I mean, solid, I, man. I
0: sh- I'll take those on day hunts too. I, yeah. No, I don't, oh, dude.
1: I, yeah. yeah. I always have that chair with me now. It's mm-hmm. it's a yeah. You know. <laughs> and but I you know I I shave weight in other places. I have you know I use the Black Obus. The down jacket and their pants.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I'm I shaving out weight with my sleep system. Um rest X-Therm Max Pad. It's like 17 ounces. Super high R-value. Well, I got a 20-degree 20, 20 Enlightened Equipment quilt that's 22 ounces. You know, it's super lightweight stuff, but it's still warm. It's really nice. Probably doesn't do the best in the rain like it did, but... Yeah, well, tent, I mean... Tent holds up, but... Yeah.
0: Either way, man, I, I'm uh, I know I'm keeping you late here, in yeah. but it, it's just a it, it's such a cool it's a fascinating hunt just because of the story and um between the whiskey and the Coors Light and the chairs uh, I I'm I'm glad <laughs> uh, we're on the same page with with our our comfort requirements in the backcountry because I, I think it's important and it it enhances the experience overall. But uh, when you when you shake all that out of the shaker, what's left in the bottle is is you did a hell of a job on a hell of a bear hunt on a hell of a bear, and uh, just I'm super happy to hear it. And <laughs> you're, one, that, you're one man. of those dudes that like when I when you when when you're showing something that you you notched a tag on, uh, I I get super proud because I feel like you're you're one of those dudes that I can just count on knowing you deserved it you put the work in you this was not that. some fluke thing i know i know you busted your ass to make this happen um and and you've put the work in i mean 900 rounds a year or whatever you said god that just blows my mind um <laughs> I, and so <laughs> It's it's just a it's just a great story and and it, it deserves to be on you, you need to get on some more podcasts man and tell this uh, tell yeah. the story about this hunt and, and hopefully hopefully too like it it highlights for 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 folks that like I don't know that go on these kind of hunts that make it happen like this you know uh, what Roger's talking about this is this is shining that kind of same positive light on you guys too because it's it's those guys that go out there and bust their ass that this is the kind of result you're going to get um you're not going to get it playing uh, nintendo uh wh- what is the games they, they have now it's not nintendo oh, anymore see,
1: is dude um uh, they probably still got playstations and xboxes I
0: whatever they are if, if, you, if you're so. into that, that that that's your thing e- either way uh you're yeah. but but you're not going to kill a bear you're not going to kill an elk you're not going to kill a deer. Uh, sitting around doing that kind of stuff. So, um, I just, you know, again, man, congratulations on a great hunt, dude. I'm, I'm super proud of you. Um, you deserved it, and I appreciate you coming on the show uh, and talking about it. Any, any closing yeah. thoughts?
1: Oh man, I, for people that want to geek out on this stuff, there's some really good podcasts out there um, that get into the real technical side of stuff.
0: The Western uh, Huntsman. You said,
1: mean? Yeah, there you go. No, no, I'm here, that one. <laughs> But, but no, seriously, you got you have like the school September you got going on like you got some super knowledgeable people that are coming on doing this kind of stuff and yeah, I love it.
0: They make it's the a show, a, man. The like, guests, the guests uh, are what make this show. The guests, like well, dudes like you. wouldn't or, be on uh, here
1: without you, though. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> all I like, do is facilitate. Don't, don't sell yourself short. So that you know the mm-hmm. podcast, like I mentioned before, Chris Wade's podcast, straight the straight dope. Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote that one down. Um, the Modern Day Sniper podcast, um, Phil Vallejo, um, Kaylen Wojcik—they do a great job. Great job breaking down all this stuff. They got a YouTube channels and stuff, and all the all the social media. What Just give that, a touch. What of,
0: was that second one you mentioned?
1: Um, the Modern Day Sniper Modern podcast. Modern Day Sniper, okay. Yeah, but they go into real technical stuff too, positional shooting, all that. There's those are two really good ones that I. Listen to okay quite a bit um yeah there's there's a few of them but those those ones are good ron spomer's podcast the uh, oh, joseph von benedict's podcast the uh backcountry hunting podcast those got mm-hmm, they get mm-hmm. real technical into the cartridge caliber selection things like that so people want to geek out those are good ones too but
2: yeah
0: I love it, man. I, I, you know, you know, I, I geek out on all sorts of podcasts. So I, I love getting podcast recommendations, um, and and so, because I, I'm just always blown away with what you could learn on a podcast. And that's that's why I think I'm passionate about mine, is because I know, like, like for me, I need to learn more. I, I don't know enough, if that makes sense. And so it's nice having all these. And you could find a podcast on anything, um, I, I mean anything. If you want to learn how the ancient Polish people weaved baskets, you you could learn yeah. you could learn that on a podcast somewhere. And yeah. so it's it's just that's it's yeah super cool. No, that's, Love definitely. Like Love yours, the technology.
1: Yours is super knowledgeable based on on the tactics and the hunting side of things. Yeah, you know, those other ones I mentioned are uh, specifically the straight dope and, and the modern day sniper. There's another one called just F and send it. There, there's a bunch of them that are geared more towards the shooting. The wind reading, the data, yeah, the super technical shooting side of things that, man, I got nothing but time. Like, my my wife and kid are asleep right now, and I'll be up until 1 in the morning, like, just the shift I'm on. So, yeah, it's uh, it's great times to sit there, especially school September, man. I download all these, and I sit there and listen to them as I'm tinkering in the garage, doing the dry fire practice or reloading. Well, I appreciate uh, that, man. I appreciate it. So You're very welcome.
0: Well, thanks again for coming on, man. This is a great hey conversation, welcome, um, great story. I think, yeah, we're, we're all gonna enjoy it. I can't wait. I, I'll listen. This is this. I don't listen to all mine back, uh, but I, I I like to I like to try, I, I want to I try to. But uh, like you just told me, a couple of other podcasts to check out. So um, I'll, I'll be busy doing that. But I, this is one of the ones I, I definitely want to listen back to. Um, and I, again, I, I just can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing the story, brother.
1: You're very welcome, buddy. We'll do it again, right? Yes,
0: sir. All right, man. Well, you have a great night, and thanks again.
1: Hey, yeah, you too, buddy. Take care.
0: You made it all the way to the end.